0: Nikolai Volkov, Alexander Rusev, Lana, Ivan Kolov, Nikita Kolov. Who else is there? Vladimir Kozlov. We're coming for you. We're coming to your country. We're going to Russia, Paul. We've qualified for the World Cup. Oh, hang on. This is a wrestling podcast, isn't it? I always forget this is a wrestling podcast. Let's tie it in a little bit. It was glorious, was it not? Glorious. What a game. What a performance. England are what going to team. win the World Cup. It is absolutely undisputed. I just realised, by the way, pretty much every one of those Russians that I just mentioned aren't Russian, are they? <laughs> uh, Ivan Koloff, Canadian. Nikita Koloff, I think it was from Minneapolis. Um, even even old Nikolai is from Lithuania, who we're actually playing, Correct. On, who we're actually playing on Sunday. So, oh, hey... He's from the States, Russo's Bulgarian. Yeah, there you go. So, I think... Uh, I think only Kozlov. I think only Kozlov qualifies of them. Anyway, you don't want to hear about football. I did that right at the top, just for Matt Barber, who uh, gave us a tweet during the week and said how much he enjoys my football analogies. But I know. They annoy other people, so we will try and keep it to a minimum. If you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, Paul and I are recording literally about five minutes after England have just won one nil uh, to qualify for the World Cup, but played crap. Uh, but most of you don't care, so we will move on and do the show properly. Hello everyone, welcome to the uh, Hooked On podcast. I'm Rob McNichol, and joining me, uh, who is just about keeping his eyes open and uh, yawning his way through, is uh, Paul Benson. Hey doing Paul. Hey Rob, yeah, no, I'm good actually. I've got a cup of, of builder's
1: tea. A cup of peppermint tea and um, moose tea and Booker tea and Mister tea, all in front of me, so I should be absolutely fine. You've all, you've forgotten Big
0: Tea. You don't know I did forget <laughs> Big Tea. Don't, don't forget had a match with Booker Tea uh, 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 for the rights let's, to let's, the let's, tea. I was gonna, I was gonna say,
1: let's let's ask a, a, a writing question for our viewers. Put put on our Facebook page. Who Big T is better known as, and we trust you not to cheat, guys. Oh, who they, is
0: Big T better known as? They know that. They know Ooh. that. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine. That's fine. You can. We'll, we'll do that. We'll play that. So you can write it in and send it to Ahmed Johnson competition. Care of Hooked on Podcast. Anyway, next. Um, I've not given it away there, have I? No. I no. think they'll have missed that mate. It was yeah, quite there helpful. probably was one. It was quite clever um uh so anyway let's let's talk some uh, some proper wrestling we're actually only 3 days away from uh, hell in or around a cell as i like to call it it's uh, it's a show which uh, is a specialized pay-per-view these days it's a hell in the cell pay-per-view which uh, came out of the bad blood uh, pay-per-view which can you believe is 20 years ago this week how about that Mate, not only that. Um, twenty years ago today,
1: as we record this. Oh, indeed, yeah, actually, yeah, it's two the day, isn't it? So that's uh, Twenty years. It's the first ever Hell in a Cell match. It's twenty years since one of the greatest matches of all time. Full stop. And twenty years, on a sad note, since the death of Brian Pillman.
0: Oh yes, it was. It was. It was the night before, wasn't it? So yeah, that's uh, uh Yeah, mixed up a lot going on around that pay per view. Indeed, and, and indeed, it sounds like a plug uh, for a sister pay per view, although we're not officially. Uh, Involve with them in any sort of way Now our uh, our tour is over But uh, Bruce and Conrad on the uh, Something to wrestle with podcast Are going to be doing Bad Blood this week I believe So that's going to be uh, uh, They're probably recording that As we speak right now when we are So uh, I'm sure once you've listened to this Because we are your podcast number one In all of your hearts uh, I'm sure Bruce and Conrad are number two Or maybe number three behind Because WCW uh, With our <laughs> friend D. There. Uh, I'm in. T- i determined to get one in for that every time we talk about it. I'm, we are getting <laughs> no money. We are not the Jericho Network. We don't get any residuals or anything. But uh, I'm just trying to. Uh, the, the more I, the more I'm nice to Dean. The more I'm, I'm sure he'll be uh, a cock the next time he comes on. Hi, Dean. Um, anyway, yes. So the bad blood was 20 years ago. This week, I've got a trivia question. Before we get into all sorts of hell in the cell shenanigans, here's a question. For you. It's a two-part question. One. How many Hell in the Cell matches were there before there was one that did not include Mankind, Triple H or The Undertaker and the second Ooh, part, who who were the competitors, so how many were there before um, there was one which would, didn't involve any of those three, and I use all gimmicks so don't, I'm not catching you out on it being Cactus Jack or Dude Love or anything like that um, so the uh, uh, mix
1: what are, uh, presumably the kennel in a cell doesn't count either. that doesn't
0: count, no that doesn't count
1: Okay, so I feel like I should know this. Um, so
0: Triple H, Mick Foley, Undertaker—they're the three. Yeah, are the they? three. Which was the first one, and how many were there before uh, before someone else was was involved? Right. Well, I could sit here probably and try and go through it chronologically,
1: but I'm not going to do that. No, because we have been middle all night. Uh, I I trip myself when we haven't got time and it's a rather boring podcast to be fair. I'm going to take a slight punt and say uh, first of all I'm going to ask you was Randy Orton one of the two guys in it?
0: Yes he was. And was his opponent John Cena? Correct sir. Hey. In the very first Hell in a Cell podcast, in the first ever podcast, in the first ever <laughs> the first ever Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, uh, in uh, in 2009, uh, the uh, okay. there, there were three uh, Hell in a Cell matches that night. One of them was Undertaker versus CM Punk. One of them uh, was The Generation X versus Legacy, and the other one in the yes, middle there was yeah. Randy Orton versus John Cena. So, how many had there been? So, what number? Pay, what number match in the in lineage of paper, in the lineage of Hell in a Cell matches? So, it was nine years into the gimmick. Um,
1: I would say it was, I'm going to work twelve on the basis years. 12, 12, twelve years into the gimmick. Sorry, no, you're right. Twelve years. I'm going to work on the basis that for six of those years they did one per year and six of those years they did two so I'm going to say 18 I'm going to say there was 18 Hell in a Cell matches before that one
0: so you're saying that Cena versus Orton was Hell in a Cell match number 19 I am yes it is number 18 you are one of oh. as uh, as Ken producer say one, uh, one match out um, but uh, <laughs> can I have my uh, can I have my hell in a cell master t-shirt please? Uh, no, you're going to have to name uh, three in ten uh, the greatest Brooklyn Brawler matches: uh, Red Rooster, um, Shawn Michaels on the House Show, uh, and some random Battle Royal uh, at Madison Square Garden. That was the exact three that I had. Very well done, and I'll send you the t-shirt. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> we've really thrown people now, haven't we? If there's young people listen to this podcast that don't watch football and don't listen to radio too, we've absolutely killed them so far in this podcast. Um, uh, listen to Ken Bruce in the mornings when you get middle aged like me and Paul. They're good. Um, <laughs> Popmaster half ten. That's the uh, that's the key. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so good knowledge though. I think you did quite well there. What um, if you try to do it properly and go all the way through from the start? What you forget is that. Two of the first four um, Hell in a Cell matches, according to the official lineage, were actually on Raw. Were on Raw, yeah. It was, um,
1: it was a tag team match, wasn't there? was it? Um, Mankind and... Uh, Mankind and
0: Austin against Undertaker and Kane, is that it, right? Uh, the there's a, a, mi- the a mix-up of that, yeah. Undertaker and Austin versus Mankind and Kane. And wasn't um, there then
1: Kane versus Austin or something like that, or Kane versus Mankind?
0: No, it's, um, so what we had was... Um, so Undertaker and Austin was um, versus Mankind and Kane was only a couple of weeks um, before the King in the Ring with the famous Mankind off the top of the cell, yeah. uh, which was the second ever um, Hell in a Cell match. Um, but that was a couple of weeks before, so that was ostensibly uh, a, a promo for the uh, for the main one. Um, yeah. But the, the, the fourth one is down as Mankind versus Kane as a no contest on Raw in the middle of August '98, and there wouldn't be another one until. Undertake a boss man at WrestleMania 15 at uh, WrestleMania. So um, there seems to be just a, a, a we just chucked out something on Raw one night um, between Mankind and Kane, and it ended in a no contest. So um, after that, it did tend to get onto a onto a good little run. I'm just going to quickly whiz through. We don't, you can stop me if there's anyone you want to talk about in particular. Um, but after those five that we've mentioned, um, number six is probably a one of the better early versions of the Hell in the Cell which is Triple H versus Cactus Jack which was the Ooh, uh, the, yes. fir- the first ever of many Mick Foley retirement was it the second Mick Foley retirement I forget it's, uh, loses me a little the, bit but, uh... first it was the first that was the first one yeah.
1: um, so
0: that was in uh, February 2000 and it was one at the end of that year which was the uh, multi-man match between Kurt Angle Undertaker Triple H Austin Rikishi and The Rock remember Rikishi doing that uh, yep. backdrop onto, yep. the, uh, onto the peanuts or whatever they were um, then you go another 18 months or so before you let me tri- guess let me try and guess uh, let me try and guess these because I can surely get nearly go was this Triple H Jericho Triple H Jericho yep judgment day after WrestleMania uh, 2002 and then we've yep. got another or oh, what's May to October five months so you got five months before there's one at no mercy so,
1: no mercy as it would have been obviously Brock Lesnar against uh, The Undertaker
0: that's correct the next two are both at bad blood. So it's June 2003
1: and June 2004. June 2003 and June 2004. OK, so June 2004... Uh, I, I know the June 2004 one was Triple H, Shawn Michaels. That's correct. Um, June 2003 one throw me a bit. Oh, no, no, no. It was um, Mick Foley against Triple H. It wasn't. It was Triple H versus Kevin
0: Nash. Of it, course. Mick, Mick Foley F- was the referee. Mick Foley was the ref. Of course, yeah. And and then we are going to, uh, it's another year. They're quite disciplined at this point, you know. So this is match number 12. Match number 12. And actually, if we take out those two raw ones, which I, I don't feel really count. So the 10th um, Hell in a Cell match came in 2005, nearly eight years after the first one. So they're pretty disciplined at this point. Um, So we're going to Vengeance, June 2005, what are you saying?
1: That's an easy one, that's
0: Triple H Batista. Yeah, okay, good stuff. Uh, Later that year, so another six months, and we're doing Armageddon.
1: Armageddon at the end of 2005. So let me think, what would have been going on there? Well, I know it was, that was, I'm pretty sure that was the triple threat where Goldberg dropped the title back to Triple H. Um, So... Armageddon 2005 man um, bu, 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 bu. you're going to
0: have to help me with this I'm
1: afraid I'm going to kick myself well I
0: think go with the go with the theme of Armageddon Who and, and, and knowing that one of our three uh, three people that we've talked about with the trivia oh. question so get, Undertaker get, get, Batista it, no not quite Undertaker versus Randy Orton um, oh, at, the, at, the Armaged- yes. at the Armageddon yeah of course yeah and then uh, we go to Unforgiven the following September. So it's September 2006. So we've got another nine or ten months or so before we do what? Well, Unforgiven. That would, that would have been tri- That would have been Undertaker Batista. No, nope. Nope. Would, this would be uh, the two-on-three handicap. <laughs> <laughs> Triple <laughs> okay, H and right. Shawn Michaels versus Mr. McMahon, Shane McMahon, and The Big Show. Right. Okay. This is where I get into territory. Where I lose it now. I think. Okay. okay well. We I'll, I'll help you out a little bit. that was September 2006. We then go to November 2007. So again, discipline. We've got over a year before the next one, and it is now you can say it.
1: Batista against Undertaker Batista. Survivor Series. That's was Batista. that the one where the Edge, where the Major Brothers became the Edgeheads?
0: Oh mate, I'm, I'm really not very good at um, at uh, getting the ins and outs of those kind of things. But I will give you that uh, Undertaker versus Edge at the following, uh, sub, uh, following SummerSlam. In yeah. August 2008 was uh, was the next Hell in a Cell, and then we get on to the uh, the Hell in a Cell pay per view in October 2009. So it is worth noting that again, if we take out those two Raw matches, um, then we only had we had 14 Hell in a Cell matches in you know a little over 11 years. Um, that's pretty good going, you know, in terms of being disciplined about it. Absolutely. So when you consider that officially 16, um, and, and in reality 14. Uh, in those first uh, twelve oh. years or so, and we're up to thirty-eight now. The, the ones that we have at the week, how many are there on the on the on the books at the weekend? Is it is two? It two?
1: two on the week,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. so we will have made it to forty uh, by the end of the weekend. So you consider that uh, you, you're putting in fourteen in the first twelve years or so, and then another twenty-six in the next nine. It Doesn't does... that say everything you need to know about modern day WWE? And if I started to try and go through this, you did very well actually in terms of remembering uh, a lot of those. A like, lot of those it's matches like football
1: results. I could I could really you off football results from
0: 1995, 96, but I couldn't tell you any from 2015. Well, I'll tell you partly why that is because in 1995 you didn't have a mortgage. You weren't worrying about. A mo- <laughs> you weren't worrying <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, mo- right. You weren't worrying about a mortgage. You were worrying about pubic hair. And there is a big big difference about what you remember uh, when you're a child and you think the world is on you because you've got, you know, your SAS exams coming up. And actually, life is a piece of piss at that point. And then at some point you grow up and you realise that uh, there's lots of things to worry about other than football results and wrestling. Um, Not at the time. We still care about it at the time. But... uh, Almost certainly if we tried to go through all of the matches from the last two or three pay-per-views, we would struggle to get even half of the matches, and they've only just happened, whereas I bet we could go through the entire year 1995 and get almost every card spot on. It's just life a way... lessons, kids, life lessons. It's Enjoy just... it while you can. It is absolutely true. It's boring. This is the boring podcast so far in terms of Robin <laughs> Poor <Paul. laughs> talking about Radio 2 and memory loss and getting old, folks. Uh, but I sense actually that quite a lot of our listening audience are uh, contemporaries of ours, from uh, coming along to our parties. I think I think our median age is probably in its early thirties. So um, I think people are uh, are getting what we're uh, get smelling what we're cooking, as it were, and what I'm cooking at the moment uh, is some sausage rolls, which we're going to eat after the podcast. It's not um, Pot noodles? Anymore. Uh, no, 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 no. I've never eaten pot noodles. You know, never been me that. Even when Do I was you know even when I was a student, I never ate pot noodles. I still had a bit more class than that. I was a big fan. My mum was a bit slack
1: in summer holidays, so when she'd pack us off to stay with our grandma for uh, a couple of days while she was working during the summer holidays, we'd go with a mini-sized pot noodle each, me and my brother. So I developed somewhat of a mild addiction to the ridiculous amounts of salts and E-numbers in there. So as a result, I still treat myself once a month on a Sunday night I'm rock and roll me, I'll buy myself a pot noodle and munch it down and enjoy it enormously. I had one last Sunday, actually. Bombay bad boy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's an indie wrestler if I've ever heard one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Bombay Bad Boy.
1: <laughs> well, my pot noodle I had could probably work a better match than Ginger Mahal anyway. So,
0: oh, see, sweeping, <laughs> sweeping judgment about an entire nation just because we said Bombay. Our oh, Ginger Mahal has to be from Bombay, despite the fact there's a billion Indian people. You have to suggest that they're all from the same place. Actually, he's Canadian as well. I think he's from Calgary. Let's, let's, um, let's be fair. He is
1: probably. probably Probably the best um, wrestler of Indian descent in WWE of all time, but when his compen- contemporaries are Tiger Ali Singh and the Great Kali
0: you've not got a lot to add up to. Have yeah. You? Well, when, when when so- when Sonjay Dutt gets in the uh, 205 Live, then he'll have a uh, a competitor because Sanjay can go, by the way. But um. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's um let's get back to topic, and um, we're talking about the Hell in a Cell uh, gimmick concept, obviously, because the uh, the pay per view is, is coming on this Sunday, and we've touched on the fact that. We kind of think that the gimmick is uh, is slightly overplayed. The fact that you can't really remember uh, a great deal of the last 26 or so that have taken place over the last nine years is telling of that. However, there are plenty that you can, even even despite the fact that we've had uh, uh, rather too many. I assert, the Paul, that this is still a gimmick match that works in the right capacity. It is overbooked it is overdone and i don't think it elicits the same reaction as it used to you know the timing of it forcing a sort of feud to have to go into a cell you know as opposed to a feud is so intense that it has to go into a cell i think has really affected it and i think when you you know when you go through um you know everything that could possibly happen um you know there is a, it's interesting that they've not put the title match in this pay-per-view inside the cell perhaps they've realized that it's not quite the blood feud that uh, some other things are. So they've gone with Shane and Kevin Owens in the cell, and also the uh, New Day and Co- uh, New Day and the Usos, which which should be a lot of fun. We'll get on to some other matches later, folks. Um, but in, so in your heart, just forget the build up, forget the um, the way things have gone. Is Hell in the Cell a match that you like as a as a wrestling viewer? Um. Uh, yeah. Yes. Broadly, I suppose if you took an
1: average over those 38 um, hell in a cell matches yes i very much enjoy it but i totally echo your thoughts that um from being a feud ender and a real sort of logical match um to to, to take place in a given feud now to put it in a, a point of the calendar and shoehorn feuds into there has massively affected um how interesting it's been and if you just look back at some of the last few combatants and last few matchups in there you kinda of just shrug your shoulders and think, oh, you know, why? Why bother?
0: Yeah. Oh and um, by the way,
1: just sorry, just to stop you there, looking at the list of Hell in a Cell matches, when you said there's been thirty eight, you are actually including the ones listed for this Sunday. So there's actually been thirty six.
0: Oh is that is that right? Okay, I do beg your pardon. Yeah, um yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, still. You, you what your point your point completely stands. Yeah, you are correct. There's a, there's a couple of there. there's a couple out, but um Um I quite like Hell in a Cell because I think there's a there's a logic to it. Um, in terms of for most of the matches that they've done um, and I was going to mention this in the last podcast I forget what the context was and I ended up not saying it for whatever reason we just drifted on another topic but we were talking about match quality and, and how certain matches get put together I think we may have been talking about cruiserweights I'm not sure um, but I remember I, I apologise to whoever it was because I can't remember who came up with this and it certainly wasn't me um, but they said that if if you took the exact match that Triple H and Undertaker had in the Hell in a Cell at Wrestlemania and went and wrestled it in an indie show in front of five 500 people, it would die on its ass because it yep. was slow and plodding and boring and too many, you know, ma- too many moments when nothing happened. Where actually, when you watch the match, because it was Triple H and Undertaker and to a lesser extent Michaels as the referee, it was actually an epic It was a great match, it was perfect, it was full of drama, it had great moments in it because those pros, those old pros, went slowly and did something big and it sunk in and the cameras went up close to their faces and you got the reaction shots and the crowd. You couldn't do that in a small hall where the crowd go, hooray! they're expecting you to do something again and if it was unknown wrestlers doing it it just wouldn't have worked it's a testimony um, to those three individuals that worked it so perfectly the danger of something like the cell is that you can overwork in it and you can go and try and do too much out there the best matches you'll find if you go back because you believe in the characters you believe in the feud and they're allegedly trapped in this uh, in this, quote devil's playground or whatever, it, whatever the. the uh, is the devil's playground this one or is that the uh, elimination chamber um, I think it's interchangeable I think it's the elimina- yeah
1: I think it's the elimination chamber actually
0: I think, I think it's interchangeable anyway but um, uh, one of them is Satan's structure so I think that might be the elimination chamber anyway it doesn't matter um, but the point is that it's not just about the match it's about who's in the match and I get the feeling um, that there could be a you know a couple of decent ones on Sunday because I, 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 I kind of like the feel of both of the feuds going in for different reasons and again We'll get on to that, but um, generally speaking, I'm I'm thumbs up to the Hell in a Cell concept because I'm down on a hell of a lot of gimme matches. For example, I don't like cage matches, and you you can argue to me, oh, it's the same thing, and it really isn't because the weird logic of the WWE cage match that you have to escape to win has, has never really resonated with me, and plus no one ever gets through it without there being some sort of interference. Um, and plenty of other matches that just depress me um, but Hell in a Cell I tend to find has got a bit of logic and a, a bit of depth to it so I think we could be on safe ground for Sunday yep agreed when it comes to um, the title of it I joked around at the start of the podcast that uh, it's called Hell in and around a Cell um, that is a reference to the fact that even you know from the very very start of this um, concept matches almost always seem to get out in some manner I'd really like it if they tried to put together a run of matches that just stayed in the cell and there was no breaking of the cell, there was no someone starts it on top, there's no EMT needs to run in to get the ref and then therefore um, there's a door open, no no wire cutters being used to... Fo- Do you know what I mean? There's so many different ways of that people get in and get involved. I, I find it a bit mind-numbing. And I, I recall... Um, was it man i think it's in a i think some reference something in Mick's book every week but uh, i think mick foley once wrote something in his book that, that there was some flat um sort of two counts and so forth in one of his hell in the cell matches and he realized that no one was buying it because everyone was just expecting at some point you're going to get out of the cell and you're going to get on top of the thing yeah. and so um you know when you've got shane McMahon in a match you sort of think well surely surely shane is going to jump off something high um, and we've already seen the, uh, the you know the Shane and Undertaker thing so um, you almost feel that uh, getting into the cage is going to be more interesting than getting out of it
1: well in this particular instance they've, they've already telegraphed that it's a Force Count Anywhere match um, they've specifically said that so I'm wondering whether they're actually going to start with the door open which I guess is just a way of not having to come up with that Ingenious way of
0: them getting in and out of the cell. Imagine um, that! Imagine that as the door open. The, the, the whole point of a bloody great cell is so that you may as well do, may as well do hell, hell in a climbing frame. But if, if, if you're going to do it that way, the well, whole point of the bloody cell I agree. would be to keep you in there. Yeah. Anyway, well, we'll not get a Not in this one. It's false, anyway. And then another
1: one, um, a new day against the Usos, which, by the way, I expect to be an absolutely tremendous match.
0: Yeah, that should be very good
1: you have to expect that whoever the member on the outside of the new for the new day is, is going to make his presence felt in somewhere or another. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's this this, I, this this one is not going to be the exception to the rule. We're going to see somebody on top of that cage this week. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. It seems uh, it seems fairly inevitable. Um. Do you have a favorite Helena cell match? I know we've gone over quite a lot of them already, but uh, well, is there a favorite of yours? Well, can
1: we take out the first one from that? because i think that's universally thought to be the best but it's also quite an easy and dull choice um so if if that that is my favorite by the way that's my the the first one the original is my absolute favorite one of my favorite matches of all time um if i were to take that out of the equation um the one that always strikes me is the the triple h jericho um and the triple h batista matches i think they were absolutely tremendous okay there's loads um, to be honest Rob there's tons like there's, there's tons that keep flowing right? Undertaker, Brock Lesnar the first time out I just think it's got such a great such a great grinding brutal stipulation match especially these early years that there's so much so much you could do with it and so many examples of great uh, matches on it
0: no love for uh, either of CM Punk's matches with Ryback in the, uh, in the cell there from you that's they, a big big, uh, big, big, big shame I, but um, liked them
1: both. Well, sorry, the, the, certainly the Punk Ryback match was way better than anyone expected it to be.
0: Yeah, but well, you, didn't, you didn't mention it though, did you? Um, did. As, a, as a big as a big Ryback guy, um, <laughs> as a big guy guy, um, I liked. Um, I want to make a mention for um, for Lesnar and Undertaker um, because every now and again you get a bit of a force that's coming through. What's all been all the chat about Braun Strowman over the last little while, and we talked about that a lot um, on last oh. week's show. Um when Brock Lesnar was really bursting through in two thousand and two um and he was champ, and then he came up against taker in the cell yeah and and lots go lots went on in that match. It's not as you know simple and straightforward as just a just a match, but you know after a big bloody war, and I mean that in two senses of the word, Brock Lesnar got his hand raised, and you know you put Brock Lesnar over undertaker in the cell that is your statement of. This is our guy. And it's also a statement of Undertaker every now and again in, in, in history has lost at the right time as if to say, you know, this is the guy. He lost a Batista, you know, in one of those cell matches. And it's like, so that's it's a real sign. If you can beat Undertaker in the cell, you know, that's um, not if you can be Undertaker in a casket match, because bloody everyone beats Undertaker in a casket <laughs> match because everyone cheats on him. But um, if you can be Undertaker in a cell, then that seems to mean something. So I thought it was a really great match but also a really meaningful match as well so that's one that um that definitely stands out for me as being a. You're, you're
1: absolutely you're absolutely spot on with what you're saying there because there's a lot of good things were Brock's way that year didn't they you know he had yeah, he beat he beat Hulk Hogan by making him pass out so he couldn't continue he beat the rock clean but arguably it wasn't until he had that Alan Selvich over the Undertaker that he was truly truly a main eventer mm-hmm. I would say that was what really sealed it for him um inarguably you know, the, the, the guy that made him a real sort of credible badass was The Undertaker so um, I totally agree with you but I would say the Batista Undertaker one was so full of interference that it didn't have anywhere near the same impact but Batista Triple H did
0: yeah true I'll give you that I'll give you that um, going back to Brock and what made him I would say that uh, those matches for sure I would add on the uh, do you remember the smearing of the blood was yes, it, it Hogan's yes, blood and smeared it on his chest. Now I don't That's think right. the, I don't think he was the first to do that. I'm sure someone's done that in the past. I think, I think maybe even Sergeant Slaughter might have done it with uh, with Hogan, but um, it was just it, it was a real animalistic alpha male thing to do, a pretty gory thing to do, and I don't massively approve mm-hmm. of it because of the uh, everything we know now about uh, about blood and, and so forth. But of its day, you know, when it was allowed to be, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that it just it resonates with me some 15 years on and I'm notoriously crap at remembering anything after the turn of the century Um, (laughs) so uh, the fact that I can still recall that is a a testament too Um, let's have a little bit of a chat about the uh, the, the pay-per-view at the weekend um, and we'll go in with those matches we've already talked about them briefly but um, um, do you expect first of all Shane and Kevin Owens to be the main event?
1: I do, yes, I think
0: I'm not I'm not going to bet the house on that
1: but yes I would say that's probably going to be the last match.
0: I think so as well. I think that's what the um the billing has tended to be hasn't it going into it that uh, mm. uh, that it's the most important match on there that's what they talk about. Um what do you think how does how does it go is there a way cuz you know we've got super <sighs> Shane here you know and it's the um I, I you know hesitate to say that cuz it's such a sort of marky thing to say but um you know Shane does have these magical powers and can you know, get her and I love the fact that Owens called him out on that, by the way. That was such a great moment on T V when Owens said, How come that you can get beaten up by Undertaker and still kick out but I'm I need a pin and you you're you get hit by a punch and you're down. I thought it was such a, a brilliant piece of work to call him out on that. Um but um he uh you know Shane to Is Shane there to be beaten in the sense that uh You know, it's to get Owens another step along the rung. We talked about at WrestleMania that it wasn't a bad thing for AJ Styles to be working with Shane because it means that the company thinks something of him. So you could say ditto with Owens. But does it hurt Owens if he loses to Shane, who's a part-time 45-year-old man? Um, And I just fear, because I've thought for a little while that, you know, there's a logical match down the line, which is Shane versus Triple H. And if Shane is going to wrestle Triple H, presumably at WrestleMania... um, you know, does that mean that Shane can't lose to Kevin Owens?
1: Well, let's wind... I'll wind this back a little bit to, to answer the question. I think you're absolutely right. I remember having this discussion at WrestleMania that AJ working with Shane was, um, you know, a, a, a big nod in AJ's direction, and so it proved. Um, similarly, I think giving Owens the match against Shane McMahon, it's considered a big honour, and I think even when that match started sort of coming together i was i was pleased because it did indicate that owens from you know was going to go back up the card again was going to be more sort of felt um to be more important then came that in-ring segment segment with vince mcmahon um we've talked about this off air but you know there's not many guys that have done that to vince certainly not at 72 years old the the fact a the fact that he was willing to have a segment with him on air was was as was good it was an endorsement in one. Two, that he allowed Owens to get the better of him, which sound, you know it shouldn't really be that hard for a, an in prime wrestler to beat up a 72 year old. But this is Vince McMahon we're talking about. He doesn't doesn't just show his ass for anybody. And three, Vince McMahon bladed in some way or another. He bled on TV. Purposely for Kevin Owens. To me, that is such a huge sign that Owens is going to is going to be well thought of. What well, like you know, he broke the cardinal rule of television to get Owens over. There's there's a, there's a big big endorsement. I was really pleased. However, and I'm going to temper this slightly. You know, WWE's booking can be quite formulaic. Formulaic. I can think it, but I can't say it. Owens has got the better of Shane all the way through it feels to me if you're following that formula like we're setting up for a Shane McMahon win um, which is is really the wrong move if, if the goal is getting Owens over however we know what these guys are like you might be dead right they might be going for a Shane McMahon Triple H match at WrestleMania and the goal in all this might not be to get Owens over at all it might be make him look credible so Shane McMahon's win over him means more. And that's just as likely as it being a big push for Owens himself. So it's not looking good, in my opinion, if you want Kevin Owens to win on Sunday. To me, it looks like he's got Shane written all over it,
0: unfortunately. I partially agree. Um, first of all, blade, are we saying he bladed? I thought the, the consensus was it was a... Uh... Just a hard way, bang headbutt. I thought it. No, no, it wasn't. It was what happened. It's quite a unique one. He, he,
1: this has been sort of bandied around enough to make me believe it's, it's kind of a given. Basically, it sounds like he bladed backstage and then covered the wound up with either some sort of invisi skin or some um, some what's it called uh, what's that cream oh, heck, I can't I know, remember the name yeah, of it yeah I, I know it's I know it's a new you skin vaseline vaseline new, oh, okay yeah new, new skin or vaseline yeah. and then the blow broke it open again and and started it up that's the that's sort of the insider um, word on it and i think okay. that's that's been pretty much accepted okay. that Wait. it was that it was the,
0: well the the point is blood or no blood the point is is that Owen's connected you know oh the, yes the Vince would allow that to happen is uh, Is a uh, testament to your point um I don't fully agree with your um I don't fully agree with this not necessarily your idea but the uh, the consensus the idea that uh, the, the booking is so formulaic because of that I think to an extent it is but I think sometimes we notice it um a little bit more when we're looking for it um just because people like my silly analogies um You don't mind me saying the name of your son on air, do you? Of course not. Okay, okay. So your Paul's son is called Samuel. Um, I bet you notice when other people are called Samuel way more than you did four years ago before he was born. True. Yeah. I bet if you know there's a reference to, to I don't know Samuel Beckett, or if you're walking down the street and someone calls their Samuel. I bet you 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 perk up, you can't help it, and to you, the world is full of Samuels because you now notice it the same way as if you buy a green car and suddenly you do not notice other green cars. I think if you're looking for that um oh that's what they do, you know someone gets the best of the, the you know the best all the way up until the end, and then the other guy wins um I think it does happen quite a lot, and I certainly think that they they they've gone for it a lot in the in the in the history of the company on the last show, as in you know if we've got two guys say it's I don't know Styles and um Corbin this week you know Corbin would leave AJ lying on the last one because excuse me because you know that AJ is going over at the pay-per-view that sort of thing I don't know about all of the matches in the build up I think sometimes it can be um it can you can just be looking for it a little bit what I will say what I agree with you on um is that I think that every now and again if you look at how that... Forget who's involved. Forget personality. Forget whether or not you should push Kevin Owens. Forget whether or not Shane is part of the family. Well, you can't forget that completely, but you'll see why in a second. But forget about who people want to win, who's an indie darling, who should be pushed, who should be in the WrestleMania main event, who, who's what age, who's overweight, who's a babyface, who's a heel. What matters a lot of the time is the story and how the story should play out. And the story that's being told is that Kevin Owens is a whiner... Kevin Owens is, doesn't deserve to be where he is, and Kevin Owens beat up a seventy year old man. What should then happen is the babyface son of the seventy two year old man should win. He should you're win. Right. He should win. Now, you can absolutely argue, oh well how could you have a part time forty five year old man beating someone as talented as Owens? Hey, and I'll hear you out and I'll agree with you. What I'm saying is is that if you're telling the story and Owens wins it's not a very good it's not a very satisfying conclusion to the story as it should be because you might think kevin owens is great and you're cheering him but ultimately he's supposed to be the dastardly heel here and he, dastardly heels need to get their comeuppance in big matches so maybe it's a good thing if owens wins long term because it means that he's going on to something else and someone else is going to have to put him in his place but generally speaking, when the McMahons are involved, the McMahons have to put someone in their place. Or a designated hitter. So that means Triple H. So yep. I don't see them bringing Triple H back to wrestle Kevin Owens. They could do. It's not beyond the realms. I was say I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised. I'd like to see it. But you know everything they've done with Triple H over the last little while has been Triple H to heel. I know he's a different character on NXT, but um, it wasn't all that long ago that Kevin Owens was... Was Triple H's guy, you know? It's um, I'm, I'm not convinced by. I'm not convinced by Kevin Owens versus Triple H. I, I, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling it. So, it, listen, his history would suggest that that's the next place to go. I actually think, I actually think you're right. I actually think Shane will win, and and I think Shane it will be a kind of. The, you know, Big Shane put put Big Kevin back in his place, and then the next time we have to wheel Shane out may well be some sort of cross-brand match. I, I still would I still wouldn't rule out some sort of you know if Daniel Bryan is gone by then, which is possible, I still wouldn't rule out some sort of Triple H and Angle versus Shane and someone kind of match with at WrestleMania with all the sort of. The brand split and all that kind of thing coming into it, because they often think more of the brand split than the fans do. So, I'm getting way I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I don't think Shane is done, is the point. And I think there's more big matches in Shane. He can lose to Undertaker at WrestleMania, but if you're going to do, I think there's more chance. Put it this way, I think there's more chance of Shane being involved in a big match at WrestleMania next year than there is Kevin Owens. Uh, I would just about agree with that and I'm not saying it should do but I'm saying I think it's more likely therefore and I know we're way ahead of Wrestlemania but we're only a couple of months away from the end of the year and once you get to the end of the year you're starting to get into rumble territory so um, which is the road too obviously so I think I'm going to I'm going to you know like we've often said on this podcast we we no longer look at the betting odds because it tends to give away too much for us but you know, if you were giving me even money the pair which is poor from the bookies perspective but if you were giving me five to six the pair which is how the bookies would price it up you know I'd be I'd have my money on Shane definitely yeah me too okay uh, the other pay-per-view um, Hell in a Cell match uh, is the New Day versus the Usos you've already briefly suggested that uh, you're very very excited for this um, this should be an absolute doozy shouldn't it Oh, well, they've these, guy, these guys have
1: put on so many good matches this year. And normally, I'm not a fan of these feuds that just repeat the same match month after month, ad nauseum. But when they're as good as this, and the personalities involved mesh so well, then bring it on, because it still feels fresh. How long, how long have these guys been feuding now? Four months, maybe? Maybe, maybe I'm a bit. Maybe that's a bit long, but certainly, you know, three or four pay-per-views worth. Um, and it's it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant. it just feels like it feels like a real competition there's no personal issues other than that stemmed from the fact that these two teams want to be the best um it's been entertaining out of the ring the the segments on on the weekly tv shows have been very good the um the pay-per-view matches have been absolutely outstanding um absolute sin that the the match at SummerSlam was on the pre-show um and put these four, uh, four or five guys, or, you know, whatever it turns out to be, in a hell in a cell, and I fully expect absolute magic. Can't wait, uh, and I don't really care who wins. I would hazard a guess at the Usos because I think they're going to be wanting to trade the titles back and forth again. But um, I, again, I'm not, I'm not going to die on that sword. But I think Usos win a phenomenal match.
0: Where do you put the match on the
1: card? Well, for me. I would put it in the main event.
0: Okay, well you know I think it's going to be. You know that's not. Going that's to happen. not
1: going to happen. I think it'd be impossible to top. Um, if that was me, it'd be main event. I would probably. I, I can't see it being the opening match. So, to, so in that, so in that respect, it'd be third from the top seed. So you'd, you'd have it, and then
0: you'd have a buffer, and then you'd go into the main event. See, I, I think it goes second. Second. I think it goes second. They they often stretch the time... They put as much time as they can between Hell in a Cell matches, usually. Just to spread it across the card. But I agree with you. I don't think it's an opener. I think Bobby Roode versus Dolph Ziggler is the most nailed-on opener of all time. Do you think? Dolph Ziggler is an opening match wrestler. You'll get the big, glorious sing-song at the start for, for Bobby Bobby will beat him, because it's on that trajectory. I think that's, and, and you know, that is a match that is never, ever going to be a five-star classic, is it? But it is also, no way is it going to be under three. You know that Bobby and, and Dolph are giving you 15, 12 to 15 minutes of a really, really solid wrestling match. Well worked, between two good pros, and Bobby's going to beat him, because he's the one that's on the up. That, to me, is and he, and in this situation, he's the babyface, and therefore... I think that's the perfect opener. I look at the rest of them and go: Orton versus Rusev is not an opener. Styles versus Corbin is not an opener, and the women's title is not an opener. They're not going to start with a WWE championship. So I just look at it and go: It's a to me, it's a nailed-on Rude and uh, Ziggler opener, and then you go into the Hell in a Cell second, and then you've got en- then you've got enough time to come back down a wee bit. And I think actually there is so little heat on the Jinder Mahal title reign. I don't think you need to go title buffer main event for Kevin and, and Shane. I think they'll go Jinder and Shinsuke at second last semi-main and then just go straight into the into the hell in the cell. That's what I'm that's what I'm calling. I I don't see that they need to have any sort of Shinsuke and even if Shinsuke wins Shinsuke and Mahal is not going to be an absolute tear the house down barn burner go for half an hour because it does it's because it's not supposed to be. Um it's not its place. Um, yep. so uh, it's. it's not been built that way it's not supposed to be that way sometimes you have to have the variety this is not Ring of Honor um, you know you can't just throw a match 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 match. I know they do in Japan before anyone starts going well they do it in New Japan but that is a different culture it's it's loads and loads of fun but it's a different culture and they expect it and North American audiences even British audiences do not and so that's uh, that's my caveat there
1: fair enough yeah anything
0: else to say uh, um, sorry go on. Uh,
1: I know. I, the only thing I was going to say is I, I I agree with your principle on the the main match there, but I do I think the opener is going to be the uh, U.S. title match. I just think that we're going to have a big production of Ziggler's entrance, and I just it just doesn't feel like something that's going to kick off the show to me. Specifically because Ziggler's promised something that we've not seen before, so it might well be that we start the pay-per-view with un, unheard music and an unusual entrance, and I just don't think that's something to do. Okay. so for that reason I expect to be in the middle of the card Glorious is not going to be, Bobby won't be the first guy out um, so yeah no, that but it's glorious, this middle.
0: glorious has to be the answer Does yes it, Z- exactly Ziggler's, yeah. Ziggler's thing has to be the oh I'm, I'm amazing and actually Glorious will be better and Ziggler will kick up a stink about it fair enough I, I appreciate that logic I'll, um, I'm man enough to say that's a bit of a dent into my suggestion I'm still going um, <laughs> to stand where I am but uh um, it will say quite a lot if AJ Styles is in the opening match. Now, we often talk about the fact that the opening match is a very important place on the card, and it's not uh, the curtain-jerking losers that uh, people would suggest it is, but we will feel a little bit strange if AJ's in the opening match. But then, as reported out, John Cena was in the opening match, also against Baron Corbin, um, in the... Uh, uh, in the ma- in the first match at uh, SummerSlam, so uh, let's maybe not read too much into that. Um, is there any other matches that you uh, you want to talk about in any sort of depth, or you want to throw in a a prediction, or you're really looking forward to it, or anything like that on the uh, on the rest of the card? Um,
1: nothing else that you know. I want to really go totally gargar over. I think it looks like a very good card, all in all. I think it's there's there's not really a, a stinker on there. Unfortunately, the closest ones probably Jinder against Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, but I think you know if I had to pick out another one to that's not been talked about already, I you know I'm really dying to see uh, what Orton and Rusev do. I was I was really upset when Orton beat him in just a few seconds at Summerslam because I was looking forward to the match there. Clearly that was just to set the feud up. And Rusev is so good, so so good. He could be um, main event level as a heel. He could be a phenomenal face. I just really feel like he's the most underused guy in the company, and I'd love to see. Um, something come of of his feud with Orton I think they'll have a very good match if they're actually given time this time um, and I'd really like to see Rusev make something and really build on it I'm not going to hold out any hope but that's the, that's for me the sleeper
0: match of the night it does feel does it not I know that um, well I so I know I think Orton is Orton a little bit younger than Cena it, they, maybe what, what, a year or so quite uh, similar? I'm just looking it up Orton is 37 so yeah, what 3 4 years. Yeah, so he's got a little bit on him. But his TV age feels a bit longer, you know, he's been around since the uh, you know, the evolution stable and whatever. Orton feels like he's been around so long now that mm. you feel like you feel like he ought to be in this, I mean, I've always been a fan of Orton and you know, there was a time where he was very, you know, considered a uh, Boring and a bit of a pest by some audiences and I was always a fan of Orton's and thought he was a lot better than people realised especially when he was being a heel and you were supposed to think he's boring and actually it was mm. making making his baby faces look better there's a little hidden set of gems between Orton and Christian from about four years ago
1: oh yes um, 2011 which, that
0: one was Wow, cracking cracking set of matches and at the time people were saying oh Orton and Christian again and I was saying no bring it on they're always fantastic matches and um, they yeah. were the two you know Reliable workhorses in the middle of the park. Um, but um, I sort of feel that Orton is now, should be a gatekeeper. I, I feel that Rusev is the one that you should be doing something with over the next, you know, two to five years. Rusev is 32, you know, so he's only five years younger than, than Orton, but he's only been on our TV screens for a few years, where Orton's been around for 15, 16, 17. And it feels to me that this is a point where you can go, okay, well, let's invest a bit in Rusev. Just as we were talking about earlier on with Brock Lesnar beating Undertaker or Batista beating Triple H, you know, it's not quite at that level, but a solid Rusev win, you know, would set him up as a good, you know, next candidate for a, uh, you know, if Nakamura won the title, for example, you know, it would be a good place to go. Would be Nakamura versus Rusev. it would yep. be a good first, a good first opponent after. After he's got the Jinder, you know, rematch out of the way, um, it'd be a good first opponent for Nakamura. It'd be a good next opponent for AJ. I know they've been down there before, but you know, AJ and AJ and Rusev in a serious one would be good. Bobby Roode and Rusev would be good. Is that uh, there's a lot you can do with Rusev, um, and I think you know, Orton will probably won't lose a great deal in getting beaten by the Bulgarian brute because it's um, you know, it's surely it's time that we should expect that Orton should be losing to a few people and and starting to move aside a little bit. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I, I kind of figure that drawing money out of Randy Orton, to me, those days are gone. And unless you're going to do something with Orton uh, in a similar way to what they've done on uh, Raw with Sheamus and Cesaro or uh, Ambrose and Rollins, you know, if you found a good partner for Orton, a young partner, and you managed to sort of flare up a good heel tag team... I'd like to see a young, good heel with Orton and then do a, do a, a heel tag team. And, uh, you know, in, just, in a similar manner to when you had Orton as the young guy in Evolution, you know, I'd like there to be someone coming... Like, if it was like a... Let's see, like a... I know he's not young necessarily, but say a Drew McIntyre, if he got called up. You know, someone like that that could be a... a right nasty piece of work with Orton sort of pulling, you know pressing his buttons and getting him ready for the, the next step I, I'd like that I think that could work I think Orton would work in that sort of role.
1: yep I think so too I, I I've Orton's a really funny one with me he feels like wallpaper um, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way he does, he's not actively bad far from it I just don't really see what his place is anymore like you know what you talk about the, out, the outline that you've put in place there is is a good one but I, I, do you know what I think it feels to me like his heart's not really in it I don't I, I never get the impression nowadays from Randy Orton that he really cares yeah and um, and that to me that comes off the screen and I can't really buy anything he does he's very crisp he's very good he can put on a good match he can do a good promo when he wants to but I don't think he really believes it it feels like there's almost like a, a knowing wink or a smirk um, the whole time and he's he feels like you know oh, I'll just do this I'll go through the motions Um and it really, it really impacts on my whole sort of his whole presentation, my enjoyment, my bit my my investment in the character. It just does nothing for me at all, unfortunately. And that's not criticism of the wrestler and his skills. It's that I just don't think he's that bothered anymore.
0: No, I th- I think you I think you're probably right. And I think that um, or well, even if you're not right, even if that's the perception to the outside mm. world, perception is reality. So even if he cares as deeply as he did in his first day. You know, as the old cause, the old comics would say to the audience, you know, are you enjoying yourselves, you know, like yeah, well, tell your faces, and it was like it yep. was, it's that sort of thing. Okay, well, you know, if you really are still loving it, Randy, and you're a baby face, you know, start conveying it and start doing a little bit more than just, you know, you've got the most over finishing move in history. Would you say? Has there ever been a more over finishing move? Seriously? Well, um, the stunner, stunner. Ma- stunner, stunner, maybe. But it's yeah. like, there are eight, there aren't many, aren't many moves that you'd have, like the RKO, which you can do from so it's... many different places, and it, became, it even became a cultural thing. There will be people, you know, thanks to um, you know, the wonders of things like the LAD Bible, you know, which are not necessarily my favourite things in the world, but there will be people that wouldn't know the first thing about wrestling, but they know what an RKO is. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's like yeah. you know he's For... blessed with that. You know the fact that it's you know he's taken you know DDP's move, and obviously I'm sure DDP has taken it from someone else, but you know, owen's made taking that move made it much better, made it a great move, and then it's become a, you know, partly because of Michael Cole calling it out of nowhere, but it's become a bit of a pop culture thing, and people know what the RKO is, and so, um, you know he has that is to his benefit. That has not happened on purpose. You know that is something that is to his benefit, and so. He has that as a little crutch to go back to, and perhaps it's uh, it's too often done. Um, I will say I want to know if he's if he's like wallpaper, and there's lots of different types of wallpaper. Are you suggesting he's uh, you know a cheap knockoff wallpaper from the market, or is he uh, an expensive?
1: Oh no, he is, he, is
0: he's, he's... expensive he's anaglypta. Expensive anaglypta.
1: He's the stuff that I wouldn't trust myself to put up. Let's put it that way.
0: Good, yeah. Although actually, I think I found out that anaglypta is uh, Rousseff's last girlfriend but um <laughs> there we go uh speaking of the old comics um what one match i want to quickly mention is um i i think charlotte versus natalia should be really really good um it was the match that put Na- uh, charlotte on the map and i think possibly only her you know fifth or sixth match ever or something ludicrous like that when she uh, when she wrestled nat she wrestled natty on nxt um and they really made... It was one of the early matches that they made something of. Um, was it on one of the early takeovers? Have I got that yes, right? Yes, it was. I think it was. I think, and it's, it's, I
1: think you're right, yeah.
0: And they made a big thing of it with Brett being there with uh, Natty and with Rick being there with, um, with Charlotte. Um, and frankly, Natty made it because Charlotte wasn't all that good at that point. But she was already showing the poise. She wasn't necessarily showing the in-ring ability. Um, I don't think Natty's any worse than she was then. Uh, and Charlotte is much better, so if they are given, the, I don't, I'm not convinced that the uh, the dynamics are right in terms of Charlotte being the babyface. Um, but we've talked about that other times, and we think that might be part of a, yep. a, a wider deal. But you know, I think that the two of them are a sufficient of, of sufficient quality that if they are given time and uh, space to let their match breathe, I think that could be really, really decent. I fancy Charlotte to win the title back. Um they could be doing a bit of a you know Natty holds on and Natty holds on and eventually Charlotte gets it back but I just don't think they care enough about lower titles to worry about long reigns um, unless they get to the you know the Asker sort of level um, I think I fancy Charlotte to get a title back
1: here I fancy Charlotte to get a title back as well but then immediately lose it to Carmella
0: oh yeah and then course, start start
1: Charlotte chasing Carmella that's what I think we're going to get out of this pay-per-view
0: yeah, I can see that and I don't mind. I actually don't mind that either. No, it's mind. the right time. Uh, yeah.
1: A Money in the Bank cash-in should be done when it's at its kind of peak of interest and I've, she's done a really good job, by the way, as that Money in the Bank holder and it's one of those ones where there's not much more she can do in that position and it's, it, start, it might start to wane and wear off. So I'd like to see her do it before it's too late. It just seems like a perfect spot.
0: And she goes to cash-in and uh, Ellsworth stops her. No. And then, no. No. And then you have uh, the big romance of Charlotte and Ellsworth. No. Um, okay. I is a big cast back there eventually, though? Big cast with uh, Carmella. Yeah, that could work, actually. Well, they are work. a couple in real life. Oh, are I I uh, they? I didn't know that. They they are a couple in real
1: life, and I think they would be a good pair of um, nasty heels you could have her come out and berate Ellsworth one more time and then a real man comes out and beats the tar out of him and puts him out forever and there you go the start of the fair.
0: I like that and well and I didn't know that they were a couple so actually it goes to show that you can teach that Um, there we are (laughs) every day's a school day mate as it turns out Um, ok I think we're we're done on the paper aren't we unless you want to go into detail about uh, AJ and Corbin. Not
1: particularly, no. Um, again, I expect a title change there. Uh, I think it's about the right time. And just to say, I'm I'm expecting to be talking to you next week and saying that I'm giving this
0: thing a thumbs up. The whole show? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good show. Fair dues. OK, I uh, I endorse that. Um, before we uh, wrap up for this week, um, because, uh, frankly, we wanted to uh, make sure we were talking about this pay-per-view and it's uh, our primary focus, um, we do have uh, two or three other things that are on our mind. Um, one of which is because uh, we've talked a lot about gimmick matches uh, in this particular show And one of the big news items of the week is about a certain gimmick match um, making its return We're going to talk about that in just a second And we're also going to introduce uh, something new for you to um, enjoy on social media um, But first of all, um, Paul, we talked about it last week But um, plans in, in progress for uh, some Survivor Series um, hooked on events what can, uh, what can people expect Are we any further on than last week?
1: we are i'm now in a position to make some concrete announcements guys so as i mentioned last week we're going to be doing seven survivor series venues now the ones um the one in london is going to be at the grand um the same place we had our SummerSlam party fantastic venue everybody there was there with us really liked the change we really enjoyed it so we're going to be back there that's the, um, the, the Grand now,
0: at, at Clapham, by the way,
1: just next to, uh, grand, next to Clapham, Clapham Station. Clapham Station, Clapham Junction Station, yep. Yeah, it's a fantastic... If you haven't been there, it's a big converted old theatre. It's absolutely wonderful with a gigantic screen, seats for everybody. It's going to be a wonderful do. What we've done with this one is we've tried our very best to bring the cost down. We, we really appreciate everyone coming out and supporting us all this time. And we're starting to try and make the tradition of Survivor Series a bit of a thank you. We didn't do it in London last year purely because we couldn't. I couldn't get the costings right. I just couldn't get oh, find a way to do it for free. So I scratched it. This year, I figured that we might as well do it. Um, and, and unfortunately, I can't make it free, but I can reduce the price. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring it. Uh, we're going to be on sale next Wednesday, and we're going to have early. Sorry, not Wednesday. Monday. We're going to be on sale that's, Monday. That's October uh, the ninth. October the ninth yep October the 9th we're going to have early bird tickets for a fiver uh, and then they're going to be on sale till the end of October and then from then on we're going to be at £7 so it's a re- a, a decent reduction from our normal prices I'm really sorry I couldn't get any cheaper but hopefully you'll see that we've the gesture is a, a thank you to all the people who've supported us for all the years over L- in London and we'll keep trying every November um, to make this Survivor Series as close to free as possible
0: uh, here's a, here's the thing, you guys. Uh, particularly for the other shows, um, the bigger we make um, the Rumble, Mania, and SummerSlam next year, uh, the more chance we have of being able to do some free stuff for something like, sort of like Survivor Series. We're even um, this is I don't want to daylight in upon magic, but uh, we're, there's even a chance, isn't there? But well, this is not confirmed. But there's even a chance of maybe there being a bit of a sort of a season ticket thing next year.
1: Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Yeah. We'll I have to do the maths on that, but yeah. we'll see. Um and then outside of London we've got six parties. We're gonna be at shooters, we're gonna be at every shooter sports bar in the country. Um, as anybody who listens to this podcast will know. They are Manchester, Leeds, Cardiff, Liverpool, Birmingham and Nottingham. We're gonna be at all six. Now they are gonna be free events. They're gonna be slightly pared down from what we normally do. It's not gonna have all the bells and whistles. But you're going to get the quiz you're going to get um survivor Se- uh, yes yeah, survivor series is the pay-per-view you're going to get your wrestling tunes so all the elements are there it's not going to quite be as as organized and as sort of presenter-led as all our other stuff but we think you'll enjoy it it's going to be a free um, party each one as per all our events at shooters the opportunity is there to book tables they do really cool little packages there it's a fiver if you want to book a table and for that, you get your table, your seat, you get a beer and a burger as well. So it's a nice little, nice little package
0: that we can book, uh, and that's going to be available again from Monday. Excellent stuff. So if you're thinking about uh, Survivor Series, not all that far away. It's in the uh, in the middle of November, so it's about uh, six or seven weeks or so. Um, so get yourself uh, get yourself. Um, thinking about uh where you are and uh, just um just very quickly if people want to um go anywhere for more inf- more information social media wise they can visit us at it, uh, facebook if you all the, all the up-to-date information is on facebook at facebook.com
1: forward slash ho wrestling or twitter as well we keep up to
0: date on uh ho underscore wrestling. We do. Uh, Facebook is definitely the place to find us, by the way, folks. If, if you're not a Facebook person, we appreciate not everyone is, um, but we're um, we're quite a Facebook company, I would say. There's much more you can find with us on there. We find it easier to, to interact and to link to things and, and those sorts of things. So we would love for you to come and uh, uh, join in the chat on Facebook um, about anything, because uh, we often just will just put out a question, what do you think of this? Um, and it's a really cool little community that is built because of... Uh, you know, it's a very, very specific person that comes to our our shows. They're they're great people. They're supporters of um, live wrestling in general. I mean, we're not live wrestling clearly, but uh, they're generally the kind of people you would expect to go and um, support live British wrestling as well, um, as well as being you know big time American uh, North American fans. So it's um, it's a good set of people that are around. Um, and therefore, it gets some good uh, debate going. And indeed, one little extra thing that we want to uh, to add um, to the uh, to the community uh, and to get people talking is a, a new little venture, Paul, that you're going to introduce. Which um, we have, how how will we put this? Procured. We've stolen lock, stock, and barrel from a wrestling
1: forum that I frequent and have frequented for 12 years. It's the Oratory Forums, um, one of the only. Uh, bath- last Bastions of Sanity left on the internet uh, certainly amongst other wrestling forums and we've stolen it. It's the Sheep Quiz which we're going to be doing monthly on Facebook from now on. Um,
0: do you want me to explain the rules for this Rob? Well I know I know it because we've played it before but I thought what might be fun do you have one from a recent, recent over the last couple of months available to you because I don't know the answers and me and you often play this if you don't have it available don't worry but if you do throw a few not the whole thing but throw a few of the questions at me and I'll play the game like we have done before um, let me have a quick because that will be the best way of explaining well I should say this is genuinely not been we have had a chat about that we're going to talk about this quiz folks but we haven't set up that I know what the answers are genuinely um, Paul and I play this most But Paul plays the quiz on the uh, or has played the quiz because it's now stopped um, on the forum uh, and then will often say to me oh we'll just be on a phone call and go oh we haven't done the sheep quiz lately so he'll throw me the uh Uh, the questions out and i'll play along i'm not very good (laughs) actually as it goes whereas i am i tend to do quite well but let me before
1: i start running these questions as examples through let me explain the rules so in each given quiz we're going to put out 10 questions and none of these questions they're not trivia questions they're opinion questions um the idea is not to get the, uh, the answer that you think is the right answer It's to give the answer that you think the group will reach as a consensus answer. So, as an example, I might say, what is the best Hell in a Cell match of all time? And you might think the answer is The Undertaker against Edge at Summerslam. That might be your opinion, okay, and that's fine. We don't want your opinion. We want the answer that you think the group is going to give as, as an opinion so obviously it's important that you keep your answers confidential and to yourself um, but what you would think maybe you would say right I think the main majority of the group will think is Shawn Michaels against um, The Undertaker is the answer okay and what we do is we collate all the entries for every given question and you get one point for every other person uh, for, for the total of people that, that give your answer so for instance if there's 30 players and 25 of them give the answer to that question as the Undertaker against um, Shaw Michaels and you given that answer you will get 25 points for that answer as, as indeed will the other 24 people that said that as their answer correct and if you've put uh, Undertaker against Edge and two other people have said that's so a three in total you'll get three points as will the other two guys so on and so forth and the one who gets the most answers correct or sorry gets the most points at the end of those ten questions will win the sheep competition for that given month and what we're going to do is we're going to make it slightly interesting for every month the winner is going to get a free ticket to
0: a future um, a hooked on party excellent it's, I guess it's, it's it's most similar to the final round on family fortunes isn't it well, there you we, go. we, we, we there surveyed a hundred yeah. people we surveyed a hundred people so it isn't necessarily what you what you think it's what you think the, the hundred people will have said. And obviously pointless does the the reverse of that, but that's kinda of what you're after. Um you need to put aside your you know, your own this is what I think and go with what the people think. But then the people might be thinking similar to you. So it's all a case of trying to work out what people will think there's also very a small little extra is that some people don't understand the quiz and they say what they think <laughs> so uh, it's all uh, it's all good fun but trust me it's one it's one to play and the first time you've played it you go oh yeah it's great fun i don't i'm not a member of this particular forum that paul is and for years i've meant to join it just to play this game and i never get around to it i actually have just as much fun on the phone with Paul doing it on the blower which are you in a position that we can do it now maybe not do all of them but we can do a few of them we'll do do three or four but yeah yeah, it's fantastic
1: and what I will say just a couple of caveats. I'll put all the rules on Facebook but one thing that's important is you don't discuss your answers or even hint at your answers in the thread because obviously that ruins the game everyone's got to come in as blind as possible that will ruin the whole premise the other thing is for every month I'm going to do a live reveal at a set time um, so everyone can be logged onto to Facebook at this setting. It won't matter if you're not there because you'll be able to see the thread. But if it's, believe me, if you can be there for the live reel, it's great fun. Great fun as the scores get updated. I'll find a way it, to do that in a real interesting way.
0: It is the next step towards you booking yourself in a prominent position on this bloody um, um, escapade. He does the, raf- <laughs> he does the <laughs> raffle at the Bruce Pritchard shows. He has to come up and say thank you to someone at the... Uh, another one he has to come up and do the raffle at the Grand with Jimmy Havoc <laughs> <laughs> hang on the raffle at the Grand with Jimmy Havoc was my position not chief bucket holder you still did it you still did it with him yeah. you did a bloody good job hey <laughs> I, 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 mate don't get me wrong I'll blow my own trumpet nobody could have held that bucket quite like I did no, That's that is sure. true that is true Paul is actually quite a good host he just doesn't just doesn't know how to hold a microphone um, and True. shouts in it and forgets it's an amplifier um, but uh, anyway okay, let's, let's, let's play the game so fire a few questions at right. me so, I, I genuinely don't know the answer to these and plus like I said before I'm not very good so we'll see right. how they
1: go so we'll see how they go um, I, I'm, I'm only looking at the first one I can't actually remember these from memory so um, question one so the, remember the, the, the object is not to give your your personal opinion but what you think is the most popular opinion so question one who would induct Lex Luger into the WWE Hall of Fame if it was to happen
0: next year? Uh, okay. I actually think this is a rare one where the person I would have do it I think is probably what they would do as well. Um, uh, I think it's Sting.
1: You're absolutely right. Of course you are. Yeah. That's an easy one. Uh, 35 players on that particular question. 30 of them said Sting. And then we got one each for Bret Hart, Eric Bischoff, Kevin Nash, Ric Flair, and Vince McMahon. Some very odd ones there.
0: Yeah. Uh, v- v- Vince to come out. Vince only ever done one, hasn't he? And that was for Austin. The idea that Vince that, would make his second ever induct inductee Lex Luger is a, uh, a
1: to him. Some bizarre ones. Okay. So, the question number two. We're, we're not going to bore you with this one, guys. We're gonna, I'm going to do two or three. We'll run through these, but just as examples so you can understand. <laughs> question two: What is Goldust's most memorable wrestling moment?
0: Oh, uh, most re- in Goldust specifically the character of Goldust, not Dustin Rhodes.
1: Specifically the
0: character of Goldust. Uh, okay, that's quite that's quite a tricky one. Um, moment. See, I instinctively want to say his matches with with Razor because it's, that's that's what comes to my mind first. But I think as a moment as a as a one-off thing, and because it's um, WrestleMania. I will say people said The Hollywood Batlock Brawl Okay so your personal opinion Is the Razor match I probably would If you asked me the question I would say The, the thing that like The first thing I thought of Was his series of matches With Razor When Razor got with The whole homophobic thing yeah. But I think generally People would say So my answer that I'm giving you Is the Hollywood Batlock Brawl Two for two mate um, Oh get on you,
1: you agree with me again That was 23 people said that Other answers were Three people went with Razor Ramon Uh, and the IC title match against him then we had two for winning the tag team titles with his brother Cody and then one each for burning his gold dust outfit getting electrocuted on Raw uh, reading green eggs and ham can't quite remember that one his 2013 um, return Razor Ramon feud revealing the Razor Ramon tattoo and a Savio Vega match which is a bit odd okay
0: Uh, the other ones I was thinking of I was actually thinking of his his teaming with Booker was, was one that came to my mind uh yeah yeah well, about that pretty much, but you pretty know much remember, one, but, yeah. remember the
1: question was moment it wasn't yeah. just like period of it is moment so yeah. well,
0: um, and coming coming back at um coming back at the rumble I suppose but i suppose there's been several of those so yeah yeah that's true question 3 i quite like this
1: one actually um if brat hart stayed in the wwf post survivor series 1997 who would his opponent have been at wrestlemania 14 oh well
0: hmm. You just You so you want to sort of You want to say Sean Because they hadn't done another WrestleMania one But then if he'd have stayed You know then what was that meant to be That was meant to be some sort of schmoz at Survivor Series So how do you get back to Sean and Brett I'm going to have to say Sean I think Because it was the first one that came to me And I think people associate Brett with Sean I'd love to have a discussion about who it actually should be <laughs> when you try, because you could maybe you could have gone back to Austin again. They could have done a rematch at uh, at Mania with Austin. You'd have loved to have seen Bret vs. The Rock at a WrestleMania. I don't know how they've got to that at that point. Um, but um, I will have to I will have to say Sean, I think
1: um, you're wrong on this one. You didn't get the consensus. The actual one was Steve Austin. Um, okay. Twenty-one people, including myself, said that. I just I just worked on the basis that. If he'd have not lost the title in Montreal, he would have been the guy to ultimately put over Austin for the title. Oh, that's a great Um, point. That's a really good point. Yeah, that makes sense. So that was 21. You you got the second most popular on six with uh, with HBK. Four people said Triple H, and then you got one each. I think there's some taking a piss here a little bit. Um, One for Ken Shamrock, one for Mankind, one for Max
0: Mini. Okay, <laughs> um, and one for Owen Hart. So um, I, we'll just. It should, but it's worth pointing out that so six people said the same as me. Yeah, yeah So I would score. I would be a seventh, actually, six. wouldn't I? So I you would be a seventh. So percent. I was. I would score seven points. Would I? Or would I score my own point or not? No, you do. You score you, the total. So you would have scored yeah. seven points if you So I would. Third. So even though I didn't get the answer correct, as in the sense that the, the Steve Austin was the top answer. Again, like Family Fortunes, I would have got seven points for that. I would have just missed out on the 20-odd points that uh, 20, 20-odd people 20. scored. Yeah, exactly. Give us, a, give us a couple more. We'll do them quickly, but give us a couple right. more. Quick one. Blast through these. Question four. If WWE
1: had to eliminate one championship belt tomorrow, which one should it be? What
0: a good question. So here's the other thing about this. This is such a. These are such fun topics. I think what we should probably do, you know, is that once we've done this as a quiz on the Facebook page once we've done the reveal I think we should have a chat about the topics yeah you read my mind actually there, I was kind I of think thinking the same thing make a good basis some, for a podcast that's a great question I mean like seriously because you're only allowed to get rid of one yep so you can't get rid of you can't get rid of one set of tag titles because that's not fair on the brands and sort of thing so it's It's ever so hard, that, because it's kind of matched evenly across the brands. Um, Do you know what? I think enough people would believe in the one true champion. So although you might think that it might be, oh, we'll get rid of the Cruiserweight title because people aren't taking it seriously on 205, I think enough people might believe in a one true champion. I might say, we're going to get rid of the Universal title.
1: Oh, Rob, Rob, Rob! You just called three points. You really aren't very good at this, are you? Oh, re- no, really. Uh, slightly, I'm. Um, um, slight caveat on this one: that these questions were done back in July, um, and the outright unanimous winner. Again, i gonna hate to say, no, I don't hate to say, I did get this right. Twenty-four people out of thirty-five said the cruiserweight title. Honestly,
0: yeah, I suppose it had to be the cruiserweight, really. I just, I just thought enough people would be down on the universal title but
1: we've got we've got five for the smackdown women's title two for the universal title and then one each for the ic belt the us belt the wwe championship and the smackdown tag team title who's
0: getting rid of the intercontinental championship what idiot wants um, to get rid of the intercontinental championship that would be my friend tom hemmings oh, who what? doesn't hello. listen to this hello, podcast tom. hello guess, tom he's an idiot he doesn't listen <laughs> to this podcast good I'm, <laughs> right. I'm delighted gonna, about that. Do one more. We're
1: gonna, we're gonna do one more because I really like this question. Um okay. spoiler alert, I got it right again. Um, um do think do again think this is back in July if you want, it doesn't make much bearing on it. But question five and the final one we're gonna do if the WWE brought back the hardcore title tomorrow, which current WWE wrestler would be the most likely to first win it.
0: Oh, okay, that those um Okay, I'll go. I'll go with instinct. Um, into, oh, see again. Will people actually think that though? I'm trying. To, <laughs> see, you're second guessing yourself. I love it. You, you end like up. It. You end up doing it automatically because I know. I know exactly who the first person I thought of was, and I'm just trying to sort of go through in my brain and just to, you know, see if there's anyone else that I've not really thought of. I'll let you in on what I'm thinking. The first person I thought of immediately was Dean Ambrose. Like c- right. completely straight away, because if you're going to give a belt to someone that was you we can try and get a belt over you'd give it to someone that was reasonably prominent to start with you wouldn't just chuck it away to a uh, uh to a nobody um but and ultimately and he can wrestle that kind of style he did it in uh, uh Caesar W um there's no one really that's massively jumping into my brain um so like we said, would people think about Samoa Joe I don't think people would think about Samoa Joe as being that sort of they consider it a bit of a a nothing title and a bit of a you know, who has those kind of garbage matches as it were um Luke Harper maybe if he, I don't know if he's around but um I'm gonna I can't think I I can't think of anyone else so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Dean Ambrose but I'm not sure if I'm not sure if he's in people's consciousness enough to for them to have gone to him first Sheamus is a possibility maybe as a bit of a sort of roughhouse bastard that could have those uh, those sorts of matches as well maybe even uh Maybe even Owens if they want to give him a about, but um, I can't think of anyone that's a a real hardcore wrestler. So um, I'll go um, I'll go Dean Ambrose.
1: Well, before before I give reveal the answer, so what I will say is you're at a slight disadvantage in that you are you know just doing this off the top of your head without any reference. I do really really well on these competitions but it's because I spend quite a lot of time putting the research in so on a question like this I would have looked I would have had a list of the whole WWE roster in front of me if it was the best match of um, I don't know Owen Hart's career I'd Google a list of those matches you know so on and so forth Um, you're actually correct on this one Rob 23 people said Dean Ambrose Um, and we got a couple for Braun Strowman a couple for Bray Wyatt a couple for James Ellsworth um, and then one each for Baron Corbin, Bo Dallas, Heath Slater, Kevin Owens, Luke Harper, and Randy Orton. So, um, so yeah, I think people have given people a decent taste of that there.
0: So, I'm gonna, we're gonna
1: think. I'm gonna last post, one. Post to
0: the rules. Sorry, go on. That last one is a good example of one where it isn't just about your personal preference, um, but it is to an extent. In that sense, I couldn't. That was the best candidate you know to me that is who I would give it to so that is my honest answer but it's also when you think about it what other choice is there you know so that's almost like picking someone to like you know who do you think is going to win the Premier League well if I sit down and think about it and come up with Man United actually chances are quite a lot of other people will do as well you're not going to suddenly find out that you don't really know the people who are voting and they've all come up with Everton you know it's it's quite it's quite sensible that people would work that one out for sure Other ones where it's a bit more of a personal preference, like the Goldust one is a good example, I mean I know I got it right, but the Goldust one is a good example of if if you didn't watch wrestling from the mid-90s and you only remember Goldust being, you know, with Cody, then you might well say the Cody thing and not take into account, you might not realise what people thought, you know, of the Batlock Brawl. So, I think it's a good example we've gone through there of those five questions where there's some real really different ones because you've caught me with two that i just wouldn't you know i don't really i'm not really with my finger on the pulse of what people are thinking about certain titles and um, you know that's not really my area but i think i probably would have a good logical brain for coming up who would have a hardcore title run so um i think a good uh, good set of examples cool well we'll um
1: i'm going to post the rules up tomorrow Um, And I'm going to get started with it next week. I'm going to keep the questions fairly simple at first. And what you'll find, hopefully, is you'll get a few questions where there's a very obvious answer. So you're going to have a consensus, and then you'll have some people who miss that obvious answer and fall off like a stone. But then there'll be a few questions in there they're a little bit more sort of on the fence, and you're going to get, you know, your sheep answer, your top answer might only be like a ten-pointer out of thirty mm-hmm. or an eight-pointer out of thirty. But the key thing with this guys is participation. Definitely. We we need at least thirty players playing this, or it really makes no sense. So I'm going to run it for a couple of months, see what they take, we we'll see how people like it. If we can get that thirty-plus number, fantastic, we'll keep it going. If no one really gives a monkeys and it's just something we like we're getting eight or 10 people playing then we'll we'll kill it um no, cause stick, stick with, it. Bit stick with it with
0: it because I think it will take people a little bit of a time to just to just to get the 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 deal of it and like like we said before what we'll do I think is do the quiz or we'll do the questions not a quiz is it we'll do the um we'll do the questions we'll do the survey we'll give you a little bit of time to think then Paul will do the big announcement which will be fun and we'll do it all Eurovision style and all that um but then afterwards we'll open it up to debate a bit more i think and we'll, we'll we'll repost sure. i think some of the questions and we'll would love to see your debate in terms of um you know what you think of of some of the uh, the more talking point uh, style questions and then we'll do them on the podcast you know you know simultaneously so we can get good a good two or three weeks worth of uh, of stuff out of all of the uh, of all of the questions there so we can do a little bit of both so it would be great fun if you could join in um and uh, you know try and please try and keep it relatively sensible you know you know whoever's uh, was coming up with Max Mini is kind of not really helping the game there, so uh, um, you know we'd appreciate you um, doing it properly, and I guess we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Facebook pages so that uh, you know people aren't just indiscriminately putting their answers up um, yeah, and spoiling it. But uh, I think it could be a good fun thing for the uh, for the community to uh, to have some fun with. So uh, kudos to you, mate. For uh, uh, I'm going to use the word procure once more. You've procured this quiz <laughs> from elsewhere. It should be said that it's it has stopped there, hasn't it? We're not just stealing an idea lock, stock and barrel you, you've said that it's, they, they have ceased to do it
1: yeah uh, temporarily I think the guy will come back and start doing it again soon but it's, it's knocked on the head for now he's been doing it for about four years uh, bless him it's gone down really well um, I would have stolen it anyway I just think it's the right time to bring it in but yeah it's, uh, I'm just feeding the addiction
0: excellent stuff well that's uh, good for you um, I look forward to playing that uh, hopefully you all um, you all will as well on our on our Facebook page uh, which is Paul catch you out with a at one facebook dot com forward slash h o wrestling good man one of the questions that we could do um, would be which old forgotten gimmick match would you most likely would you most like to see WWE bring back? and I think if we had have asked that question last week or in July like uh, the ones you were asking me before, I think the winner would have been, and indeed, will be War Games, and this week we have had the announcement that uh, War Games is to return. But uh, if there may be probably people that haven't heard the news yet, but uh, Paul, when is War Games coming back?
1: War Games, as announced last night, will be back um, at the next NXT Takeover on, I believe, November the 18th. Now, this is somewhat of a spoiler, which we don't like to get into, but. WWE has posted it far and wide they've put tickets on sale for the show called NXT TakeOver War Games Triple H has tweeted it the official accounts tweeted it so it's all over the place what they haven't revealed publicly is who the combatants are in that match so we're not going to go into that but there Correct. will be a war games match at NXT TakeOver. And Rob, just to just to sort of um deflate you slightly, the question about what gimmick match would you like to bring back, I actually did ask that tonight on our Facebook page to get some fuel for this conversation. Um so if you want to look at that while we're talking, there's been some interesting <laughs> answers. <laughs> I
0: actually I genuinely didn't know that. Um I could tell, I could tell. <laughs> there wasn't a piece of <laughs> that wasn't a piece of material that uh, that Rob did there, just to chuck in and uh uh, and just to, to create a bit of a conversation but um, sorry uh, mate I didn't, didn't mean to catch you out there but I thought it best best we nip that in the bud straight away ok well uh, you, you carry I'd say what I want to know without giving them without without giving anything too much away about the actual match itself in terms of who's in it it doesn't look like your traditional war games match does it it looks like there is going to be a variation
1: there's a twist already. Now, what we do know um, is that it's going to be two rings with the sell-over. Now, I was always of the opinion, and I, you know what I'm like, but I'm, I, I always think I'm right and definitively <laughs> right. I always thought the reason WE never brought War Games back is because two rings side-by-side side looks ridiculous for the majority of a pay-per-view when the match isn't taking place. It does. It looks stupid because it's it's off... Off center. Then the ring is off center that they're in. So you're going to have a ma- a pay per view that takes place in one ring with a redundant ring sat next to it. And I always thought Vince McMahon being the perfectionist and the having I mean the eye for detail, it is. I thought that was genuinely the reason. um But no, we're going to get. It's already been said we're going to get two rings, cage over the whole thing. What we don't know yet whether we're going to get the. old We don't know anything about it other than that we know um the participants in the match um again i don't want to say any more than that but it again it might not be completely traditional it might not be there's two teams of five um we don't yet know whether it's going to be the um take it in turns to have the um have the new man come in? Bizarrely, you know, the heels always won the coin toss. It was so amazing, mm-hmm. that wasn't it? And that always happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we also don't know whether it's going to be the traditional match beyond. I think they used to call it, where you got the win by submission only, um, rather than pinfalls or eliminations or anything else. We don't know that yet. Um, but we'll see. Um, I'm really excited. Excitement slightly tempered by the fact that um, we don't know all the all the different variables yet, but. I'm just so excited that WWE have brought back one of these old staples from the late 80s, early 90s. I'd love to see this old stuff reused. I think it's phenomenal and not surprising, in the least, that it's Triple H. Uh, the man who wishes he wrestled in that period is the guy that's responsible for bringing it back. Uh, it actually
0: isn't. That's not true. Sorry? It's not. It's not him. It's not him that's brought it back. Oh, no. Is it William Regal? No, it is Dean A.S. from the Because WCW podcast. <laughs> it is not a coincidence, people, that a Because WCW podcast emerges and suddenly, oh, we've got Starcade. Oh, we've got War Games. It's all happening. Yeah. It is. I am. I am saying here right now. Two things for next year: one, Glacier is a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble. Two, Alex Wright goes into the Hall of Fame. It's all sorted. It's all preordained, and it is all down to the twisted freaking genius. Um, no, obviously I'm messing. Um, it is. It does seem to be Triple H's thing. You would. He has been on the record many times as saying that it's there. Uh, uh, it's a match that he likes and wanted to bring it in in some capacity. Um, I think. Did I read an interview with him once, or hear an interview with him once, that it was... It, I think it, the time that it was most seriously knocked about as a concept in WWE was when Evolution was a thing, and that you could have had four people, you know, that you would have had the, uh, Evolution being similar to the Horsemen, you know, the crossover with mm. Flair, and you could have found four people. to Is it actually, stopping us here, is it just worth explaining a little bit about what War Games is, just in. That's just in fair, case people are. That's a very. We're, 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 we're just assuming knowledge here, and to be fair, I've I've only seen a few of them. I'm not a, I'm not an old school WCW slash, you know NWA Jim Crockett guy. So, you know, okay. I don't know the ins and outs of that anywhere near as much as I would do some old WWF stuff. Although I do, I have seen war games matches and I know what they're about.
1: Let me let me go through the fairly simple rules then. So, war games is a match that takes place with two rings, sat bump to bump with each other side by side with a cage surrounding both rings I don't think it was Hell in a Cell style I think they were up against the ring apron more like a traditional I, cage match I think with you're a, right I think you're right with, with a roof on a low roof so not, the, not Hell in a Cell height a low roof um, what you got is two the traditional matches uh, you got two teams of five where you'd have two um, two of the guys one from each team starting off every few minutes and the period of time varied you'd get one more guy come in and a coin toss before the match would be, to, would be to determine who got the man advantage for that period um, invariably, I think every single time it was won by the heels um, so the heels would get their extra man so they'd have a 2-1 on advantage for a while then after the next period the face would get the man in to equalise to make it 2-2 3-2 to the heels, 3-3 and so on and so forth until all five guys were in for each team the match couldn't end until everybody was in the ring once you got to five on five, it became the match beyond, um, and the match could only be won by submission, giving up, tap out, whatever you want to call it. The matches were famed uh, for their faction warfare, um, brutal style. So it was a real sort of um, game changer of a match, and they were there were some absolutely bloody examples of um, of war games. Not always the best in terms of match quality. I think it's one of these stipulations that's slightly romanticised, a little bit like the Royal Rumble in that. Uh, in that sense in that there were some cracking ones early on but there were also some absolute stinkers especially late on in WCW when they had all sorts of convoluted teams from the NWO and the B team and everything else in there they'd they'd go to triple threat rules now and again and it it all got a bit messy but um, the concept and the execution especially for the first few people absolutely loved
0: we'll give you a few examples of um, I've managed to uh Find a list of the, um, the the war games matches, so we'll give you an idea of some. I have picked out a couple of the ones that are, are better examples um, of the kind of concept. It was often done. It wasn't always a pay-per-view thing. It was sometimes done at, uh, on the Great American Bash tours and, and stuff. So it's not necessarily always a, uh, a pay-per-view thing. So there have been quite a lot of them, um, but not necessarily all of them have been on uh, on TV or on on pay-per-view. But the vast majority of the uh, the early ones. Um, that indeed did the tours and were on pay-per-views. Um, we're in the late 80s uh, and early 90s. That's really the um, the heyday for them. Uh, it started in 87 and through to 1992. Um, you had uh, 24 of them. Um, but again, it's not quite the same as what we were talking about earlier on with with Hell in a Cell. Um, that it was uh, played out on, on TV too much. A lot of them were on uh, on house shows. But for example, the very first one that's listed here, um, you've got the Road Warriors, uh, a.k.a. the Legion of Doom, along with Nikita Koloff, Dusty Rhodes and Paul Ellering uh, against the Four Horsemen and JJ Dillon. So um, two managers in that match, uh, along with four other wrestlers, um, and that uh, that's repeated with uh, some of the more early ones. Um, but it, the Horsemen were a real staple um, you've just mentioned about uh, legacy perhaps being uh, um as something that um they could have done later on but certainly a combination of road warriors dusty koloff magnum ta sting Luger um those kind of people against the horsemen um it's very much a staple of the early matches and then yep. two matches from two matches from the mid 90s when it was on four brawl as a regular pay-per-view thing um two good um, examples um, uh, the uh, one year you had the uh, the Hulkamaniacs, which was Hogan, Savage, Luger, and Sting, against the Dungeon of Doom, which was Kamala, Zodiac, Shark, and Meng. So it's a fairly easy uh, uh, win for the Hulk and his team. By the following year, we'd had the uh, the NWO had debuted, and so it was Hogan, Hall, Nash, and NWO Sting, so that fake Sting that they had, uh, against Luger, Flair, Arn, uh, and the real Sting. Um, so. That gives you a couple of ideas. We then had NWO versus the Horsemen the following year, with the uh, you know it wasn't exactly A teams as Paul said. It was Bagwell, Nash, x Park and Conan against Benoit, McMichael, Flair, and Hennig. So it wasn't exactly your uh, your traditional ones, but that was the uh, the kind of people that you would have in those um, sort of matches. Um, and it's worth um, it's also worth noting, I think, that the uh, the infamous Shockmaster. Yeah, de- I was you say that. The Shockmaster debut was in the build-up um, to um, I think the first one that they did on a full brawl. So it was uh, Sting, the British Bulldog, Dustin Rhodes uh, we mentioned earlier on, uh, and uh, and the Shockmaster uh, against Sid Vicious Vader and Harlem Heat. That was your um, uh, that was your your War Games match. So um, there's been some good ones and there's been some bad ones. Um, it was certainly a a concept which is very very synonymous with WCW and I don't think it's a surprise this is debuting on NXT and not on WWE if they one day do this in WWE they might be able to convince their audience that they've taken the concept from NXT as opposed to WCW yeah I
1: I exactly think you're on the money there and I wonder if it's uh, we're going to see a
0: War Games play set anytime soon (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, that's always a shout, isn't it? Um, it was brought up to me a couple of years ago, or well, maybe last year, by you, about uh, someone coming in and being the video game guy. And I said, what do you yep. mean? It was like, well, you had Sting and then you had Goldberg and now you've got Angle. It doesn't necessarily mean that Angle's going to wrestle, but someone every year comes in midway through the year so they can uh, they can feature them in the video game. and it's, uh, We shouldn't look at that too cynically, folks. It makes a lot of sense and it makes them a lot of money. So... Yep, you can bet your bottom dollar if they're bringing back Starcade and War Games, It won't just be from uh, some throwaway house shows or pay-per-views. There'll be something else going on. So either those matches are in the video game, or there's going to be, as Paul says, a playset, or there's going to be uh, something down the line. These things are not just thrown together, folks.
1: No, absolutely. There's always a reason, isn't there? There's always a reason. But, you know, I'm like I say, I'm really looking forward to this. And, you know, if you, like you said at the top of when we started talking about this, if you'd have asked me which match type I wanted to bring back, War Games would have been number one, um, as it would for most other people. We're going to get some quite interesting suggestions from others, though, that I, some of which I've kind of
0: half-forgotten about, which I'd quite like as well. Yeah, on the Facebook page, just having a little look at it now, um, uh, a couple of people do talk about the uh, the Triple Cage... Um I can't actually work out whether everyone is joking or everyone is being serious. <laughs> you know, the triple cage Triple Cage from the old uh uh Ready to Rumble movie. Although they had used that they, they they used that before the uh the movie, didn't they? They they had that uh they had that strange match where it was Hogan and Savage against about eight people, and they still won. That was, was a... not the triple
1: cage. That was kind of, it not? That
0: was what was it? The Tower of Doom or something like that. Uh, similar, that similar sort
1: of. Co- Basically, they had it was bizarre. They, they had a cage, a double, a two-tiered cage, and the top tier was split into two chambers. So, and you'd have Savage and Hogan starting in the first chamber, and I can't. Maybe it was the first two guys they had to fight were um, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. Then they'd they'd get past them there was no real way of defeating and they'd just go on to the next section <laughs>
0: fight another a, couple that, of... that's so WCW oh, I
1: know and they'd fight another couple of guys then they'd get down to the bottom and then at the meantime all these four guys in the top tier would just be sat there twiddling their thumbs and then they might be in the bottom tier fighting I don't know the Giant and the Yeti and GI Bro and Glacier and whoever else. Um it was really really poor, really stupid. Um yes. the Triple Cage match, no, I if I I please correct me if I'm wrong listeners, but I think it debuted in Ready to Rumble and then it, they had the match where it was um DDP, David arquette, David arquette and Jeff yeah. Jarrett as the Triple yeah. Threat in there. I think that came after the movie, could okay. be wrong.
0: Could be wrong. Well, we'll take that we'll take that as red. Um and there's some other um, more serious uh, suggestions. Um, well, I, th- I think anyway, Luke Castledine says um, uh, that he'd love Battle Bowl and Lethal Lottery to return. I actually, I rather liked that concept. Um, some of these, it has to be said, have been, they have really been brought back by TNA. Mm. Um, just under under different um, names. In TNA, what was essentially the Lethal Lottery, which is, you know, uh, a gimmicked or, well, not always gimmicked. Apparently, apparently sometimes they actually did it for real. For like, yes, the sure. most, for the most, yeah. for, the mo- for the most part, I think it was a, a gimmicked um, drawing of random people who would be together in tag teams, uh, and then they would wrestle, and then the winners of the tag team matches would go forth into a into a battle royal, which was um, the battle Bowl. Um, but uh, TNA kind of did that. They did they did what they call Jokers Wild, um, which was a similar sort of concept. Um, so uh, that, they had a go at that certainly. Um, Barry Leeming says uh, spin the wheel make the deal would be pretty sweet um, that was an old uh, little mini movie concept from uh, who was the first one of those was it Sting and uh, Jake Roberts I think it was
1: that was so um, we got a coal miners glove match oh, I should have asked you that, I, shouldn't I should
0: have <laughs> yeah, asked you that. a, I actually I would have got that um, cool. well, well that's what I would have said whether or not that's the right answer I don't know but that's certainly what I would have said um, The uh, uh, Matt Barber who I mentioned earlier on in the uh, podcast said he'd not necessarily a match but he'd like to see a return of the TV title um, so it would be something that would um, be defended all the time on TV and uh, Matthew Baldwin reacting to that says he wants Zack Ryder's internet title to be a real thing that only ever gets defended on pre-shows and 205 Live and NXT and things that aren't actually on the telly that's uh, an interesting concept uh, Darren Ellis says uh, King of the Ring um, fair enough that's uh, you know, something that worked for a long time both off screen as a house show then on screen as a pay-per-view then on TV um, so uh, in the, on the network and then on the network so in, in the era of um, uh, of all the classics that we're having why not have uh, King of the Rings as a more regular thing um, and then uh, Daniel Same says uh, the kennel from hell and so uh, we've blocked him uh, no we haven't really not, not just, ju- <laughs> well, we, we just, better ju- not because he's a, he's the promotions manager at Shooter's Leeds so the yeah, <laughs> yeah, kennel from hell agree mate let's bring it back <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway some, some, some suggestions there um, you haven't yet asked me the big question um, I haven't got the ring yet Rob
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're the wind beneath my ring um,
0: the big question what, what are we talking about what your match would be that you'd bring back no you haven't asked me what I think of war games oh, I, I do apologise what do you yeah. think of war games Rob I hate it <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. Go on. I hate I know you were. I hate war games. I've never liked war games. I don't understand war games. And by the way, folks, you I really, really want to see war games back. I really want to see it back. You've seen it. It's lethal lockdown. Right? I know that's not two rings, but it's lethal lockdown. Okay? That's war games, and lethal lockdown was shit. Almost always. <laughs> Here's the problem with war games. In the old days... So it was five on five. Okay, so you start with two in the ring. So how many people... You've got to bring eight people in, correct? Is the mass mass okay? And it's two minutes intervals, yes? Still with me? So you're going to have two minutes to start with... And another eight come in. It's got to last 16 minutes... At least... Before everyone gets into the match. But no one can win! Why am I watching something for 16 minutes... And it's just people beating each other up, and there's no chance of a win. What's the point? What's the point? Don't and don't tell me. Oh, you will watch a cricket match for five days, or you watch a football match for ninety minutes. The score changes. If you're gonna if you're gonna have sixteen minutes building up to the you know the all the participants being in, at least have a pinfall. And if someone scores a pinfall, they're one nil up. You know, and do it like a. An Iron Man match. I don't believe they've ever done that, have they? In those matches. So I used to watch Lethal Lockdown and go, I'm wasting 20 minutes of my life here, mm. just watching people. It's not real. They're not actually fighting. It'd be different if it was an actual real, you know, life thing where you could go, oh well, they've got you know, have a lot of, um, they're going to wear them down. There's going to be a lot of stamina. It's wrestling, folks. They're going to do a comeback after half an hour because that's how what we what we're preconditioned to understand. So I just got bored shitless watching a boring match for 16 minutes of just people punching and kicking and not doing very much. I'm I'm, I'm really going after lockdown a lot more here than I am about war games because obviously war games was of its time and the two rings made a difference. But lockdown, suddenly you had ten people in one ring and then they brought the weapons in and all they did was beat the shit out of each other with weapons for another ten minutes and then out of somewhere someone would pin someone it was the waste of time pointless because nothing was achieved no one won a title no one won a stipulation for a future title it was just oh they won and it's one of the reasons i don't like survivor series i think actually i did miss someone out on the uh, what? facebook What? Co- someone one someone on the facebook comments said something about the survivor series oh, we'd love to see that back you know properly um i've never i've never understood survivor, it's the pointless survivor series it's just Team, there's, no, there's no thing to be gained by a team winning and you'd go for ages getting through all the eliminations and suddenly people that have kicked out of finishing moves can suddenly be beaten by a power slam because we have to do 7 pinfalls in 14 minutes to get everyone out of there convoluted count outs and double DQs and, and then at the end of it, what's the point? the point is to get to a certain point then to understand that Americans don't know what the word soul means because they'll say, here, here are the two Soul Survivors. No, here are the two Survivors. Soul is a derivation <laughs> of the Latin word solo, which means one. You can't have two Soul Survivors. It's idiocy. And so that's one of the little things that annoys me that we talked about on last week's podcast. But just generally speaking, to me, those matches have had their day. They've worked in an era of kayfabe. they worked in an era where you didn't see... Big wrestlers, big teams wrestle together very often. Now we happily see it all the time. You can easily put those kind of things together. I am more than happy for Survivor Series to die a death as the concept. I don't mind having a Survivor Series match or two on the pay per view as kind of filler, as something interesting. You know, I could dig a. You know, if they're going to do the um, you know, the uh, the four horsewomen thing, then I can see that as a real fun concept, and, and Survivor Series would be the place to do it but these things need to mean something i seem to remember that they did a well for example when they did the invasion and it was a survivor series match perfect what a great idea what a great reason to have that kind of match and i think they did one once i want to say that um at the very least um that maven was in it and maybe test was in it
1: yeah and someone that else was the one and, it was one george but many mentioned test wasn't in it it was 2004 and the winning team got to be general manager of Raw yes, uh, yes. for a week each. And you're right, it was, let me think. So it was it was Triple H, Gene Snitsky, Edge and Randy Orton. Uh, no, sorry, Randy Orton was on the face team. So it was, uh, Snitsky would have been Batista, Edge and Triple H, that would be it, against Orton,
0: Maven, oh, I'm doing it off the top of my head here. I, I, uh, I don't know. No, well, I think I'm. I think I'm thinking of Test because there was a match at some point that Test won as part of the Union, and he got to call anyone that he wanted down to the ring, and he called out Steph, and that's where you got the start of that Steph angle. So I think that's why I've said Test. But definitely Maven. Right. Was part of that, Maven was definitely part of that was, match, and
1: it was Orton, Benoit, Jericho, and Maven. That was what I was about to say, but I lost my bottle on Benoit and Jericho against yeah okay. Triple H, Edge, Batista, and Snitsky. Um. But yeah, that had, that had some consequences. You're absolutely right. But uh, have you have you finished, by the way? Or do you want to carry on ranting? No, 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 I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So so in that war games chat, you've managed to throw war games itself under a bus, lethal yeah. lockdown, and yeah, Survivor garbage. Series. Yeah, hate all of them. Wow. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so can I ask you a question? Probably. Have you seen the original War Games match? Uh, yeah, I think I have. I think
0: I have at some point. Would you care actually... to go and rewatch it between now and next week? Yeah, I will do. It's probably pretty good. It's probably pretty good. It's. I'm. I'm not necessarily slagging it off for, for, of its time. I think the the landscape in 1987, 88, 89 is very different to what it is now. And when they were because. Lethal Lockdown was war games, right? And I'm not necessarily saying that TNA are necessarily the bastions of common sense. And so obviously you have to put everything through a TNA filter. They could have had the greatest gimmicks of all. Time. Well, they managed to. Gnaw, they've done Raw Rumbles and gnaws them up. So um, you know, it's it's no surprise that they they didn't do it very well. But I just remember finding it inordinately boring. And I think there had been a Lethal Lockdown where they did. Not, sorry, there was a Lockdown pay per view. Where they did Sting, uh, man. Where they did Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle. It was absolutely brilliant. Yep. Yep. And then you had this mad lethal lockdown match, which you just went, "Why are we doing this again?" And to me, it's in context of we've moved on. You know, we've moved on from certain matches that didn't used to work. And you know, I thought that when they came up with the um, the elimination chamber. I thought was an absolute masterstroke, and I stand by that. I love the Elimination Chamber. I think it is so good. I think the quality on the, over the history of the Elimination Chamber is so high, and it's got the same sort of thing, but it's got it's got the jeopardy of people entering as you go. But someone can win. You know, someone can win early. They can they can pin someone and wait for the next guy to come out, and they can pin someone and wait for the next. Imagine doing the Royal Rumble. And you weren't allowed to eliminate anyone until the thirtieth guy got in. Do you know what I mean? It's like you might have just—that's a battle royal. I get yeah, I get what you're saying. So, so what you're doing is having a okay. Imagine having a game of football. Let's okay, let's let's finish the podcast with a football analogy since we started that way. Imagine having a game of football in which both sides started seven aside. And after two minutes, you brought on someone and it was 8v7. And then you brought on someone that it was 8v8, 9v8, 9v9, until it was 11v11. But only when it's 11v11 are you allowed to score. (laughs) You'd watch the the first 25 minutes going, what is the point of people passing a football around? Now I get that in a combat sport you are trying to beat someone up to weaken them down. I understand the concept behind it. But as a viewer, I feel like I don't One one last little diversion. I I'm not a big tennis fan, right? I don't find tennis all that interesting. I admire tennis players to the hilt. I think they're amazing. I think they're the fittest, most talented athletes on the planet. The ten, top tennis players. They do everything. They're strong, they they've got great stamina, they've got great brains to be able to pick out where they do things. They go for like four hours in matches. I think the I think your your Federers and your Nadals and your Andy Murrays uh the greatest sportsman on earth. I just find it a little bit dull watching it. But if Wimbledon's on, call me when it's two all, or call me when it's two one to someone, but they're down in the fourth set, and then I'll come and I'll watch it. And then you've got a great ending. But I'm not going to sit there for an hour and a half watching the first couple of sets. It bores me. I'll come in with later on when it's, you know, when it's getting to something. So I sort of feel with war games, let them fight for 15 minutes, and then I'll. In all honesty. If I wasn't putting a little bit more into the job watching wrestling, you know, because we're going to talk about it, and it would be remiss of me if I'm not going to, you know, if I'm going to talk about it, than to not watch it properly. But as a as a viewer, I probably would just fast forward until the last guy came in, and then I'd watch it.
1: Okay, so let me ask you a question. Sort of pivoting slightly here. This year, we've seen the return of the Punjabi prison match already. Okay. We've seen okay. the return of the ambulance match, and we're about to see the return of the war games match. What, what? type of match would you bring back? Uh, the Raw You're Bowl
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it You're... <laughs> the Raw Bowl where they pretend it's American football and Yokozuna has to call for timeouts no um, <gasps> oh, no, no, no no that was just a, that was just a stupid one that came to top of my head um, is that a sensible question you actually want me to come up yeah, with something yeah 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 because I've got one that I I would like to bring back and it, it, to be honest it's a
1: really obscure one that most people actually thought was stupid but for some reason I really liked but
0: go on you go first um, I always liked I. I always liked eye quit matches. Um, okay. okay. Because of the concept, because it's a submission match, but it's just got that little bit of an extra to it. Um, I quite like the I quit match. Um, as a because it's still, I understand that the tapping out is a little bit more dramatic than chat and I quit. But there was the, there was just this idea that you know Steve Austin or whoever wouldn't say or mankind. Would not say the words, I quit. And when someone eventually did it, um, you know it meant something. Although they tarnished it by ruining the finishes. I as it, Listen, Brett versus Austin is the greatest match of all time, right? So I'm not slagging it. But it doesn't end in an I quit. And then you've got the Rock and Mankind from the Royal Rumble a couple of years later, which, forget all the chair shot controversy, um, doesn't end properly because it's someone recording... Mankind saying I quit So some of the most Prominent I quit matches From early in the genre In WWF anyway Have got slightly Screwy or not exactly I quit finishes And I think they'd be more, there'd be Too tempted to screw Around with it Rather than just Having someone say I quit um, But that's the first one That jumps to my brain I'll have a little Think of some more while uh, While you're telling me yours
1: well, I've got two really, and there's one that's more ser- more mainstream. One that's a bit old, uh, obscure. Like I said, strap matches. I'd like to see him bring back a proper. Oh match. God, that I can't
0: be believe cool. you just said that. I'm do not really... going to go there, Rob. Why not? Do you really want me to start off again? No, no, I, d- I don't How... really actually. How... Because... How do you win a strap match?
1: How do you win a strap match? Um, you win a strap match by dragging your unconscious and bloodied opponent to each corner in a show of absolute triumph. <laughs> Um, and and absolute dominance over them because they can't fight back while you go to every corner of the ring. How you shouldn't win a strap match is by sneakily going up behind your
0: opponent while they touch every corner and then turn around. Well done. You've redeemed yourself. Because that's how (laughs) every bloody strap match in WWE was booked for years and years and years. You've got to touch all foreigners consecutive. It's not consecutive! It's not consecutive if some other bugger's touching them. That is non-consecutive. It is is not the end of a match. IDC. There you go. Anyway... So, I, I loathe those strap matches. If you're talking about the old-school ones, I, yeah, you've got a reasonable point. My The
1: one I would like to bring back was a match that I believe only occurred once, and I also believe every other person I've ever spoken to about it thought it was utter crap. Um, it was from ECW, and it took place uh, on the November to Remember pay-per-view in 2000. And it was something called... You called a double jeopardy match can you remember that no not at all double jeopardy match okay so the four competitors in this double jeopardy match were the sandman steve carino jerry lynn and just incredible and it was for the ecw world heavyweight championship now the general gist of this match you could define this match as a tournament in one match so essentially you had two matches going on in the ring at the same time so you had the sandman against steve carino and Jerry Lynn against just incredible and they took each other on and then the winners of those two matches immediately fought each other to the next fall, and the winner so it was kind of a variation on a fatal four-way match um it was odd it was different i really liked it at the time i thought it was a very cool way of doing a four-way match in a different way and I'd love to see them do that one more time. Just see what they could do with it.
0: I'm still not totally certain. I, I follow, but you're saying okay. there were four Think people going. There's two matches going on at the same time around the ring. Um, that as in like two semi-finals going Correct. on at the same time. So what happens when one of them finishes? So if, if it's me against you and Stone Cold or Stone Cold versus The Rock. So we're all four of us fighting around, and I yes. pin you after two minutes. Do I wait and watch who wins the other one? You can do whatever, whatever you wish. You can sit back
1: and recover, so when the other match finishes, you're much fresher than your opponent. Or you can interject yourself to make beat the shit out of the pair of them.
0: and yeah. decide, yeah,
1: and decide who want and decide who you want to face you in the next round. And likewise, okay. they can deck they can
0: team together and deck you and make you a non-factor. I I don't mind that at all. Um, what I quite like about that is it's actually not. See, here's the thing, right? whisper this quietly I quite like King of the Mountain matches right okay which almost no one does but people suggest they don't like it because it's too complicated I don't think it's complicated I understand the rules and it's like I admit it's not the best bit of booking ever because if people don't follow what you're doing then it's not necessarily a good bit of booking but here's the thing right sorry everyone if you don't get the King of the Mountain and whatever I'm going to say something horrible but I just think some people are a bit thick, and it's like I get it. It's like, I, I sort of think that well, some people are cleverer than others, and some, you know sometimes it's. Oh God! Oh God! I think we all understand We just don't
1: understand why they're there. Like so, let me—if I remember right. Well, you've got to so qualify. To, you've got to qualify to for them. eligibility. Yeah yeah so it was like getting a was that like getting a star in Super Mario Brothers so you get this star and suddenly you're like super powered oh, no, and you can I've hang the bat I've never played so Super to, Mario
0: Brothers don't know what you're talking
1: about you had to pin somebody you pin someone to which, be which eligible would then, which would then put them in a penalty box and then you had what was it two minutes to hang a fucking bell on a hook it's yeah. just like it's so convoluted and nonsense that
0: was the it's just a reverse ladder match it's a reverse ladder match that just happened to have a penalty box element. That's what I why, think. Did, why did... What was the obsession with TNA back then in wanting to reverse every stipulation? Those bloody oh, scramble the... cage back there where the, the...
1: idea was to get Oh, i tell you what cage.
0: though. You just said that. Those scramble matches were quite fun. The scramble matches were good. The scramble matches were good fun. But They were okay. I'd I forgotten about them cage until cage you just said but... it. Oh no, that was... Me- that was me- a reverse the, the... battle royal. The, the,
1: reverse battle like
0: royal. Is... the reverse battle royal was insane. That was absolutely what? insane. That's why I um, the no. No, I'm not having that one. Um There's actually not really all that many um all that many kind of matches that um that I'm all that fond of that are you know that you 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 your gimmickry other than you know, ones that which you've got a, a slight stipulation on. I I I would like to see more I'd like to see more. Here's, I'll, go, I'll pair it right back. I'd like to see more draws. I'd like to see TV time limits. And I'd like to see a time limit of 10, 15 minutes or however long. And I'd like to see more draws. Because it would happen. It would happen. I, I, I get that. It, I think it's a North American thing, which is they don't really do draws, do they? Like, if you have an irregular American football match on Sunday between, you know, Denver and Dallas, and it's 24 all they won't go okay draw they have to have overtime to decide a winner whereas we'll just go okay chelsea and man city drew 1-1 next you we know, yep. we we we're okay with the concept of draws or ties um and i don't think they are it's not in their culture so i i think it's more tricky but i don't mind a draw i think it would be quite good for you know athleticism and you know for the contest of the actual wrestling for it to mean something about who wins and just have a draw and then you can tell stories around it the fact that these two have wrestled four times and they've drawn three of them and you know a couple of draws can then set you forward to a a pay-per-view match where there's a bigger time limit so we should get a winner or a couple of draws means that when you go to a pay-per-view match you do best two out of three or you know there are ways that you could tell the story and it's just, it would just be more realistic because i remember being a kid and seeing through when two people had a match on raw it lasted 4 minutes but when they had yeah. a match on pay per view, it lasted 15. And you think, well, how I come they su- su- suddenly can last longer because it's a Sunday?
1: I remember you know one I mean? of it's... my favourite little stories, feuds, side plots, if you will, was in the qualifying to King of the Ring '93. And the final qualifier, there was actually two qualifiers that went to draw, to draws. Can you remember what? Do you any idea what they might have been? Two well, what, qualifying nine... matches went to draws. In no. 1993. No. So, there was one that was Crush against. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes. I'm not sure. Let me, let me just. Hold on. Might
0: have been 94. Um, King Might of 94. the Ring
1: 1993. Bear with me one second. Listen, I'm just going to do my backwards research. It was actually.
0: Yeah, I I think I've gone on a year. I think Mr. Hughes was in the year that Owen won.
1: Fine. Yeah, no, actually, um, yeah, Mr. Hughes did get through and he beat Kamala quite strong. But the one I'm thinking of anyway, just to get back on track, was actually Doink the Clown against Mr. Perfect. Um, They had a tremendous little story where they had a qualifying match and it went to, I think, a double countout and then they had another one um, that went to a double disqualification and then finally in the third qualifier where they were both threatened with elimination if it went to a draw again Mr Perfect pulled out the win it was absolutely fantastic and I do not it was just the sort of thing that happened on Superstars or Raw or whatever else it, uh, it wasn't a massive massively pushed thing, it wasn't on a pay per view but it was just great fun I really really enjoyed it and That's it's a great a, example we're talking about.
0: It is a really good example. That's well done. And it's, um, I'm about to say something here, which is in danger of, I'm in danger of doing two things here. Do you know the stat? Not stat. Do you know the little factoid that um, Mo in EastEnders was is Gary Oldman's sister? Do you know that? I. Yeah, I think I did know that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think a lot of people know that now, but they know that based off of the fact of, it's it's such a common. I bet you didn't know that thing. You know, like, did you know that, you know, Bob Wilson's middle name was Primrose, and that Emil Heskey's middle name huh. was Ivan Ho. I knew one like, of those two. And it's like, well, those kind of things get said so often as, I bet you didn't know that sort of things so that they become something that you know. Yes. Like, I, I do a lot of pub quizzes, and a question that comes up quite a lot is to name either of the um, authors that died on the same day as JFK. And... Oh. um. And it's um, it's C.S. Lewis and Aldous Huxley um, died the okay. same day as Kennedy. And a similar thing, that you can do the same with Michael Jackson, is it who died the same day as Michael Jackson, and your answer, or well, at least one of the answers, is, is Farrah Fawcett Majors. And it's those questions come up so often that they're meant to be a tricksy question that you won't get it. Well, actually, people go, oh, well, no one remembers when Farrah Fawcett died. and it's like, Well, actually, they do, because you won't stop bloody talking about the fact that it was the same day as Michael Jackson. Um, and I think Mother Teresa died the same week as Princess Diana. You get you get certain things like that where one gets forgotten. Anyway, the point you know, I'm trying... She did. The point I'm trying... What's that? No, I just remember seeing Mother
1: Teresa being interviewed on television saying it was such a shame that Princess Diana died. And I remember sitting there, I was 15 at the time, saying to my mum, she'll be next. Five the... days
0: later, she was... <laughs> Gone away. No oh, do you know what the best story is for this? Sorry to digress, everyone. There is a point to this, honestly. The best one for that is um, uh, Frankie Howard died the same day as Benny Hill. If we started this They're with right. Radio 2... If we died, if we started on Radio 2 references, we might as well finish with 1970s comedians. Um, but Benny Hill and Frankie Howard died the same day. Actually, Benny Hill died first. But when Frankie Howard died, there was a statement from Benny Hill um, stating his regret about the fact that Frankie Howard died, even though Benny Hill died first. Because what happened was... Frankie Howard died and papers and stuff would look for reactions and quotes. And so they went to Benny Hill's agent who couldn't get hold of Benny. So he said, oh, I'll tell you what, say Frankie was a great friend of mine and a wonderful wow. comedian, blah, 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 blah. And that'll do as his quote. In the meantime, I'll try and get hold of him. And by the time he got hold of him, or at least found out what would happen, Benny he found out that Benny Hill had already died. So there wow. is a quote There is a quote out there by from Benny Hill on... Frankie Howard's death even though he died that morning. That's an amazing story, isn't it? Wow. That's um, brilliant I've never heard that before. That's a really amazing story. But anyway, that's we digressed a long way. What I was getting out of those, you know, facts that sound as if they're, you know, a brand new idea but everyone knows. There is I think it's worth hitting home every now and again that Doink, the original Doink, for a year or so, or maybe even a bit shorter, was A a tremendous gimmick. B, a really, really good wrestler. Yep. And they put that over on TV over and over again. Go and watch the first year of Raw, folks. When Doink is, or maybe not even the first year, the first few months of Raw. And Doink is all over yeah. the show, popping kids' balloons, and chuck- chucking actual water at people and doing all these practical jokes. But when he wrestles, the commentators constantly say, this guy's a great wrestler whatever he might do as his gimmick whatever he might do in messing around he's a great technical wrestler and Matt yep. Bourne was a really good wrestler and they put the character and the gimmick over amazingly but they lost their way after Wrestlemania 9 when they started doing the many doinks did. And, then Matt, and then Matt Bourne left and then it became Ray Apollo uh, via a few other people and then they turned it babyface and it just became this silly gimmick that was Then became iconic of the mid-silly WWE mid-90s, everyone's got a gimmick, no one takes anything seriously, chance of kill the clown. Meanwhile, ECW were getting more edgy and the NWO was doing their thing. And it's kind of seen as the era where WWE got left behind for a year or two before they suddenly went, "Uh uh-oh, and they caught back up. But it really is worth pointing out that the first six months or so of Doink is absolutely superb. And given where we are now, and you're the film guy on this podcast, but... Everyone at the moment is all about it, aren't they? It's all Pennywise oh, yes. the clown, and you know it's all the, the the evil clown. And it's like I know it was, it was probably the inspiration for Doink actually. It's, if, if we're just we're just coming back round again, it's the sequel but or the remake. But that was a hell of a gimmick, that Doink gimmick, and it's a, it's a real missed opportunity because of either a little bit of bad booking and I believe Matt Bourne's what they call demons well
1: that's right absolutely spot on it was such a good gimmick and i remember them actually like you say putting it over saying speculating who Doink was saying it must have been some old wrestler that had lost his mind because he was so good and you you're you exactly right in the time frame it was great 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 up until wrestlemania 9 uh, and then it just fell off a cliff and became a comedy face gimmick but do you remember in ecw matt bourne actually came back as born
0: again, born again was sort of with half of the doink, half face doink,
1: paper. yeah. And that's,
0: I never saw, I never saw that. That's more in my uh, my research over the years. I've of only ECW seen w books,
1: I've only seen clips and books, yeah. But you know, uh, by all accounts, it was a gimmick that it, it lasted a short amount of time because again, Matt Bourne was uh, a complete looney tune by that point. But if that 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 gimmick under Paul Heyman could have been so good, like bringing him back and just saying he'd completely cracked, yeah. Um, but it was um but you no, know, I original Doink, like you say, with that eerie music and the idea to bring him back now, mate, that had never occurred to me at all, but you're absolutely on the money with that. That would be so good. Expect think... my man to bring it back in about three years' time.
0: Well, I mean I don't think they will bring it back because at least they wouldn't bring Doink back. I could see them doing the clown though that's what I mean not Doink yeah. itself
1: but another you couldn't, clown you couldn't,
0: you couldn't do Doink but you could do the clown I mean it's a similar thing listen so many things come from films in wrestling so many times you see something in a film and someone just takes you know one of the best examples doing it twice in fact is Sting you know Sting taking the, the crow yeah. and doing the, doing the crow and then years later okay not to anywhere near the same sort of success but doing the Joker
1: yeah. You know, yes, I I
0: yes. I I I really liked Joker Sting. It was Agreed. a bit derivative. It was a bit derivative obviously. It was clearly let's just, you know, piggyback Heath Ledger, but it was a good act and Sting did it quite well and Sting's never been a great role player. You know, the crow worked for him because he got to paint his face and hit people with a bat. He didn't have to do anything else other than that. He didn't even wrestle for a year, basically he just pointed a bat at people. Um but, you know, the first time he really able did any sort of character work, I think outside of being dark and brooding was was being the joker in TNA and I, and I thought Joker mm. Sting was was pretty fun so let me put you on the spot then and say if let's let's
1: say we were to bring back the doink let's say we're just going to do doink again we're going to do an exact remake of that 92 93 doink and you're going to use a former wrestler that you are going to eventually <laughs> reveal as the man behind doink who would that be Forget politics, forget contracts. I've got a name in mind that I think I'd have.
0: Are we suggesting it would be someone that would be reasonably unknown? it wouldn't it wouldn't no, be No, no oh no my you're the opposite. The opposite. Oh you go, Oh my god, it's so and so. Yes. Oh, see So you see so you know know six months then you could have the reveal of Except for the experience. fact that you, except for the fact that you definitely recognise him, the first person that came to my mind was Regal. Who was okay. you know, is good enough and could be evil enough and, and you know could pull it off and then do some of the the, the little traits but A is too old to do it now and B I think you just go well that's William Regal dressed as a clown Um, no one no one immediately brings comes to my mind go on why don't you uh, why don't you fire one away one that
1: sprang to my mind and the reason I said ignore politics and contracts and reality Jeff Jarrett <laughs> 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 I think it's so good Jarrett is, um, is doink. Um, as doink as you know not as Doink but as the the evil clown
0: that would be <laughs> different I, I don't really know what to say about that that's uh, <laughs> I, w- I wasn't expecting you to say it
1: the other obvious answer is Nick Dinsmore Eugene isn't it but um
0: yeah I, I suppose I mean like, again I, I'm not not quite sure what uh, what position he's in to do that but um no. I, I think if they were going to do listen I think if they were going to do it I don't think it would be the you know the guy that used to be good that's um that's now come back I think they would do it as you know an NXT project I think it would be an I NXT think, wrestler
1: doing a modern take right. on the
0: clown and you're it would absolutely. be um, that would be and listen it could work you know things hey when when Jean-Pierre Lafitte was such a huge success they brought back pirate Paul, Paul Burchell
1: <laughs> oh I tell you who'd be good down in NXT which would kind of be a marriage of both the idea of having someone in NXT and an old guy Eric
0: Young Eric Young as Doink. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd have brought him in as Doink, that would, really in as as that would really sound, work. That would really yeah. work. He's
1: got the psychotic edge. He's a really
0: good wrestler. Eric Young. I could, Not now, because he's been Eric Young. But if you'd brought him in like that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think enough people wouldn't have known. Do you know what, though? Do you know what would have been the biggest pain in the ass to do that? Would be all the tossers in the audience going, Eric Young. So Eric Young, totally. every time he tried to do anything, the, the way that they would shout Husky Harris at Bray Wyatt. Well,
1: speaking of Husky Harris, let's just repackage Bray Wyatt and have him as the evil clown.
0: <laughs> well, well, actually, that's not the worst idea in the world, is yeah, it? Yeah, not the worst. Not the worst. It's certainly better Make than him...
1: putting him in drag and dressing him as Sister Abigail.
0: What? That's
1: not the... a suggestion. <laughs> yes, it is. It's going to be his alter ego in the same way that the demon is Finn Balor's. <laughs> he's going to be no are you serious I'm um, obviously that's just speculation I'm not oh, serious but I've, but I've read that
0: as a possibility that's amazing I hope that's one of those <laughs> it, it's one of those possibilities where quite often I think someone says something in the writer's room yeah, yeah and everyone else laughs at them and then that gets leaked to a, a you know a dirt sheet and then that dirt sheet reports it as if it was a serious idea being kicked around where actually it was someone either A taking the piss or B you know said it seriously and then got shouted down by everyone else I can't for a single second believe that uh, well no actually yes I can I can believe for a second that it would be uh, you know something they would think about but no please tell me you can't do a sister Abigail braid dressed up as our oh, god <laughs> and just... on that on that spectacular note indeed we, I'm just about to say we want to wrap this podcast up and you've given me that if we started off on the downer of England being rubbish You've now finished it on the downer of me thinking that they're going to drag out... Oh, literally drag out. How about that? I didn't, even, I, I didn't even mean that. As if the whole thing wasn't bloody dragging. Now they're going to go and do that well, allegedly. Thanks, mate. You've cheered me right up.
1: No, don't mention it. It makes me a lot happier than thinking of... Yeah, no, yeah, no don't
0: mention it. That's a better phrase. Don't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you should not have done. Right. Anyway, on that jolly note, everyone... On the, on the hell in a cell I'm going to commit Paul to a dark room And have him forced to watch Various different uh, Bad war games matches Not the good ones, only the bad ones um, But uh, it's been a fun podcast We've uh, taken this some uh, All we really started with at the start of the night Was uh, let's talk about hell in a cell and war games And we uh, we rung the arse out of the two hours of that So um, thank you everyone for uh, for joining us um, I think that was uh uh, a fun discussion of some uh, some items there. What we'd really, really love for you to do is get involved in what Paul calls the sheep quiz. Um, nothing to do with the face masks of uh, of Eric Rowan. Um, it is uh, a fun concept. You heard some of the, uh, the examples earlier on. If you're still struggling a wee bit, please don't worry. Um, you'll get it. You just need to play it a little bit and see how people are going. And part of the fun is trying to work out people's mindsets. So it really is worth you joining up on our Facebook page, posting a little bit, trying to get to um to know some of the people that are around and then you'll start to get the idea of how they think and then um and then you go from there. It's a fun concept and we uh, we'd love you to uh, to join in with that one. So uh one last time Paul where can they go? They can go to
1: Facebook.com forward slash hook uh for sorry I've got it wrong. Facebook.com forward slash H O wrestling.
0: So you put yourself off. and all that Abigail stuff you've put yourself off. Your one job that you've got to do and you've put yourself off it.
1: I'm still thinking about the remake of Doink the Clown. I'm quite excited.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that's another good question. We'd like to hear that. Paul we'll put that on uh, on Facebook as well. But we'd love to hear from you. Who, um, If you could repackage Doink in the, in the in the wake of Pennywise and the remake of It, if you would repackage Doink, who would be 2017's Doink? And we mean evil original Doink, not silly, you know, running around with little people Doink. So, um we'd uh, love to get your feedback on that and anything indeed we've talked about please uh, tell me why I'm wrong to to hate war games and strap matches and Survivor Series and all the other things that I detest at the moment and in a minute Paul I'm going to say it's wrestling enjoy it and all I've done for two hours is <laughs> say how rubbish everything is but I, generally, think, I, I think I should I, say it this time Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let you do the sign off for one week only Paul's going to do the sign off so uh, night everyone off you go mate Goodbye, everybody. Rob, you shouldn't
1: have said goodnight. Remember, you don't specify the time. Um, Working with amateurs. Oh, he's done me! Working with amateurs. So on that note, I'm not going to give him the right right of reply. Thank you all for listening. And remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it.